all right, settle down. Squawking Dad took a little bit of a break in order to properly cool down from a rather tense and emotional mid-season finale of Fear the Walking Dead. Okay, you got us. We finally succumbed to a collective bout of cumulative fatigue and needed a break from podcasting. The truth of the matter is we've been going pretty strong since the first episode of The Walking Dead's eighth season, and we haven't stopped since then, 23 episodes later. It's pretty remarkable when you consider the fact that both Carol and I have 60-hour-a-week day jobs outside of this podcast and still manage to produce a weekly episode, more or less. Shocking. (laughs) Oh, and Carol, oh, Carol has two beautiful children that she tends to on top of everything else. And yet we smile. Shocking. Yeah. (laughs) 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 That's the first time you've broken me out of an intro. (laughs) And yet we smile. Yeah, I guess so. It's like shocking. I guess so, Eugene. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we hope that you do too. Yeah, smile. Squawking Dead is a labor of love after all. Heavy on the labor, but it's a good kind of tired. And we feel like we're producing something that is only going to get better over time. Speaking of better, I think it's time I turned the mic over to my better half. The kimchi powder in my noodles and the flare that lights my way in times of darkness. (gasps) Carol. That was nice. The kimchi. I was like, I get it. I get it. It's a little spicy, a little savory, a little vinegary. Ah, Starting to not sound that good, but no, believe me, it's good. It is good. It is good. Gosh, what an episode, man. We finally got our answers that we were looking for. Many of them. Almost all of them. Almost all of them. They did play around with time a little bit. I think they were trying to play a little uh, trickery on us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. But um, I have a lot of thoughts, which you know, you and I have already kind of sort of, yes, (laughs) sort of discussed. So we'll, and we'll get to it. You are Um, so excited. I I don't know if you're still excited after all this time. I am so excited. (laughs) You've cooled down a bit, I think. I've, I've, I've let it marinate, but I have my thoughts and I, I'm very curious to see if there is any potential truth to it. Like merit, yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. But, see, if the, um, see if those thoughts have legs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <sighs> so good. Yeah, but your thoughts when you were watching it, what did you think? So they, they really, really brought home the, the emotional attachment that many of us who've been watching from the beginning have really latched onto. We really, really, really do love these characters and and nothing has brought that out more in this episode compared to maybe the other episodes for all the ways they've manipulated us into or, or tried to throw us off our game when it comes to these classic characters the classic Fear the Walking Dead characters mm-hmm. they brought it all full circle they made sense out of a lot of things that, ca- that kind of got your head scratching yes. it really brought brought out of us I hope um, a huge outpour of emotion and feeling for the characters that we almost thought were far gone on. Mm-hmm. And, and really, I think that the thing that they did best in this episode was to tie in the Morgan component. It was really important that he was on this show to just show us and remind us even how he's not the only one that can fall prey to this kind of madness, to this kind of obsession for vengeance. Rick has yeah. done it in his yes. own way. Alicia's done it in her... It, we've seen now in this episode, mm-hmm. well, I mean, kind of, you know, throughout the whole season. I think, yeah, I think a lot of characters kind of succumb to that and then they have their... Um, their turning point where they kind of look around and say, what am I doing? Yeah, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. <laughs> That's the if thing. If, if you're lucky that if you're lucky to have somebody who kind of puts a mirror in front of you, basically, right. and it's like, this no, is, I mean, this is you. This is, your, right. this is, is your brain on the apocalypse. This, this is, this is you right now. Is this who you want to be? Any questions? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's just so true. Every single group you either run across or every single protagonist in, in their own sense goes through 
this. And I feel like the more virtuous your character is, the harder the fall, the more complicated the fall. Yeah, because I think there's bigger, there's more depth there rather than just like, I hate people. And now I really hate people. You know, know? I mean, you know, I mean, just saying, but I mean, if you're this virtuous. I can't can't wait to see you (laughs) post-apocalypse. I know. Oh, I really don't like this person. Oh, I really don't like this. You'd be like the villain in a (laughs) Walking Dead episode. I would be a very complex one. What what is it that um, Maggie Grace says, her character, Althea? There's a lot of uh, layers. She's got a lot of layers. (laughs) I have a lot of layers, Althea. Althea. A lot of layers. All right, Alicia. (laughs) There we go. A lot of layers. Just saying. Oh, man. You know, and the worst part about it is that I would probably fall right in the middle because (laughs) because my outrage is kind of contained. I'm like, eh, I get you. I get I get either side of you. Just remember, insanity now. No, I'm sorry, serenity now, insanity later. So yeah. you want to have that balance. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm investing in sanity for later. <laughs> so so <laughs> got my bases covered. Uh, <laughs> if I break things down equally throughout every episode and, and be balanced throughout, I'm hoping that that carries me through through the apocalypse right now. There you go. So yeah, yeah, I got everything in balance, right? Balance. Yeah, but then you never know, those, those, those guys end up being the real maniacs is the calculus the calculating soulless maniacs oh, so watch out for me we remember the governor the, the governor was like didn't wasn't he his character originally like an insurance agent or or something like he was some <laughs> yeah, sort of something like, like that some sort of like super white collar corporate america sort of thing yeah suit and just n- ruthless or like blue collar but like just barely yeah yeah oh there you go and and simon being the uh the mail carrier <laughs> Yes. That's just what I think. I could see that 100%. Yes, your mail's here. Yes. Chewing that gum, right? (laughs) Oh, no, I said meter maid, didn't I? No, no, no. You you said mail. Was it mail carrier or meter maid? No, no, you said mail character. And I could totally see mail carrier. Yeah. Yeah, I see it now better. I I know I said meter maid, but now I'm like thinking, all right, all right. Specifically the mail deliverer, right? Yes. Comes to your door, gives you the package, like, hey, how's it going? He's just that kind of character, character actor, you know? He just, and I love him for it. And he's the opposite in real life. He's like very spiritually. He is. Inspirational quote of the day kind of guy. When, when I think of like somebody like Stephen Ogg, inspirational quote of the day, it's kind of on par with, you ever seen um, that website, um, Skeletor's Love? Oh, you should look <laughs> Wait, it up. No, but okay, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, it's all these positive affirmations with memes of Skeletor. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I've seen the memes. I just didn't know there was a website dedicated to it. It's dedicated 100% to it. <laughs> I, don't so, know if, I don't know if I've told you this, but every time I steal a French fry from someone, Somebody, I do the Skeletor laugh. Oh. I, just go, <laughs> <laughs> I stole your fry. <laughs> I used to love human. <laughs> Every single time, though, it's like without question, and people will wonder what what is this laugh? Why did you do that? They don't connect it to Skeletor. They don't. They can't. It's that it's starting to age. It's oh god. I was gonna say is it already. beyond if it's beyond their age? Yeah, but I still do it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing stops Skeletor. Yeah, like I'm stuck in here regardless. Oh, oh god. Yeah. I actually, now you remind me, I need to print out some of those affirmations and make you <laughs> for, for work. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I got to start doing that in my office. Oh, I'm just doing that. Uh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Anywho. So you imagine his affirmations tacked onto the Skeletor memes? When I think of like his, like, let's say Instagram and his positive affirmations, to me, they're on par <laughs> with 
Skeletor's love because you've got this guy who kind of comes across as kind of creepy, you know? (laughs) No, I love Stephen Ogg and I love him for that reason. Like he is on par to me, honestly, as a Jack Nicholson. Like Jack Nicholson is an amazing actor. That's a very high compliment. Yeah, That's a very high compliment, but I do. But Jack Nicholson, like he just has this look. He has this (laughs) sort of look where he, it's just a very devilish look. Like when you talk about a Joker's grin, like that's Jack Mm. Nicholson. And it doesn't change the fact that he's an incredible actor with an amazing range of death, but he just has this sort of look about him, you know, that is very mischievous, you know? Yeah. So I I look at Stephen Ogg in a similar way. Like he could be the nicest man on the face of the planet, but he just has this look about him. You can't escape his his roles and his roles kind of determine the way you perceive him in the future. So I I get what you're saying. I really do. Yeah, Trevor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. We're not clear in the first scene when they show Madison. We finally see Madison. We're not sure where we are in the timeline. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Did she escape the stadium? Because you can tell like she's come from somewhere and she's looking for somebody. Like she she seems kind of like, you know, exhausted or winded or whatever. So you can't tell necessarily like where we are. And then, you know, she comes across who we end up realizing is Althea. And then we really start to think that this is after what happened at the stadium, perhaps. Or maybe. Maybe, right. Or, I didn't think that, where, but I was well, like, But they, they, they do try to like take you down that road a little bit, like kind of throw you off, essentially. Oh, oh yeah, I, I agree. They, I think they totally throw you off as to where this is in time. For yeah. real. Yeah. You could have thought, and it's interesting that you thought it was the, it could have been the future or the current or the present or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it was just one of those things where they just kind of really posed it in a way that really it could have been at any point. So you really weren't too sure, like when exactly did this happen, you know? Right, right. And the reason why I say that's interesting is because I didn't think that at all. And it's interesting because our initial impressions were so different, mm-hmm. you know, and that it could have been, which is so effective. It's It throws you properly off your game. So you're left wondering, wait, huh? Right. <laughs> they right, knew exactly. each other or wait, they didn't or no. Right. Or they're right. meeting now or is this way after? I thought it was somewhere between this and that's actually what I was thinking was right. this was sometime between the fall okay. and between the time that, they, uh, that she meets Alicia and them on the road. Okay. That's so what I was, thought. So you thought it was somewhere in between that time. Yeah, exactly. And so, I thought because that's where we were, sort of, right? I thought they would meet in the middle somewhere. That's but. what that's what I thought. I thought the same thing. I thought that the stadium had fallen already, but we hadn't gotten to the interaction of Althea and Morgan and all of them yet. I thought that this was sometime uh-huh. in between okay. that period. So I thought I, I thought the same I agree. I thought the same thing. And then obviously things get clarified. But I did think, okay, this is perhaps during this time. Either way, I thought that this was after a post fallen stadium what's so important about the use of setting mm-hmm. you know light and dark warm and cold uh, I, I remember when I made this ob- observation when just after I think this third episode the, the one where Nick dies it's nighttime and they're on the way to bearing Nick and and it was one of those things where it's neither neither warm nor cool it's kind of the absence of color mm-hmm. and it sets the mood for for everybody and the mood for everybody at that time was Nick was lost Nick was gone everybody's in mourning night and and here we are with Madison apparently we find out later is way in the past this was before the stadium ever was a, a twinkle in Madison's eye mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so she's at her lowest point she's in mourning she's lost her kids even though it's night though you have the campfire you have glimpses of intense blue because it's dark and then right. and with the warmth of firelight and stuff so it plays back and forth yep. you know and I just love how it's that in between you know we're in between you know despair and hope really yeah. the, on the line this chaotic 
line. I just, I love it. I love the way they, it just blows me away how much work they put into that. Yeah, no, I think it was very effective. Very artistic also. Oh, yeah. Let's put it this way. It sets the mood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's becoming very apparent that Althea is kind of like this chaotic good. Mm -hmm. I think she kind of turns Madison into that chaotic good as well. This unrelenting chaotic good, you know, where she's willing to do absurd things to get people on the good side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Look look, look at what you see Althea do. She she really risks her life more often than not for the stupidity of trying to interview people. Yeah. And yet it works. I think more often than not, you feel... I feel like Althea has met really good people and she kind of can spot them out and she's willing to play with that. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Willing to bank on the fact that she's going to survive a, survive a given situation. Yeah. And what's good about how we met her initially though is that it's clear also that she's come across people that weren't really that good mm-hmm, like Leland mm-hmm. and the Pilferers and she knows yeah. how to deal with them. Yeah. So it, it almost sets the stage for like, okay, you need to pay attention to what we're showing you because you may think Althea is just dumb. <laughs> Like her character, her as a character in the show is kind of dumb. But we're trying to subtly tell you, I mean, we're doing this on purpose in a way. If you really look at the situations that she's been in, including this one with Madison, she's not that dumb. No. She's kind of like a Jesus character in a way where she'll put herself in dangerous situations. Yeah, no, no, I could see that. That's a fair comparison. And Mm -hmm. then it turns out okay for some reason. Yeah, she's she's scrappy. Yeah. Very scrappy. Like a Jesus. Yeah. Instead of ninja moves, (laughs) ninja moves, she's... She, uh, she's got her camera. She's got her wits. She's uh, She knows how to manipulate conversation. She gets out of binds. Binds? Yeah, yes, I mean, binds. but what is it? She says, like, how many times she's been zip-tied and <laughs> yeah. able to, like, escape. I mean, that is kind of like Jesus. He Damn catchphrases. <laughs> Damn catchphrases, yeah. So it, that's going to be on our action figure, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know how many times I've been zip-tied? Quote. Exactly. You know how many times I've been zip-tied. That is going to be her catchphrase. So Althea is filming. Yes, she is. The SWAT van, and they're in the diamond. Which is overrun. By crispy walkers. I know. Or crispy infected, as they say they're in like the charred. series. Yeah, they call them the infected, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're all charred. Ooh. Chad barbecued walkers. John Dory still in the SWAT vehicle, mm-hmm. injured. Yep, yep. Incapacitated. Incapacitated. And it, it's pretty much the way we mentioned on the sneak peek. It, he's incapacitated. He's warning Morgan not to go. Mm-hmm. He says, "I dragged you know, I dragged you into this," and you know, Morgan's saying, "You dragged me out of something." Mm-hmm. Telling. <laughs> Telling uh, Naomi at the time, mm. don't don't make me go out looking for you again. Yes. Which I love. I, I just love that line. It just bears repeating. No, my favorite line from him this episode was when he uh, finds out her real name. Oh, you just couldn't wait for that one. Could you? I do love that. I yeah. thought it was so sweet. Yeah, I can't help it. Can't help yeah, it's June. It's you know my favorite month. It's just <laughs> he's just so charming. It's very sweet. I'm sorry. Yeah, June and John. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Tree. Oh. K-I-S-S. Shut your mouth. <laughs> it's adorable. Yeah, it's true. It's true. True story. They're adorable. True, true story. It's adorable. Yeah. I, but meanwhile, all hell is breaking loose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they're surrounded. It's it's looking pretty rough. It's looking pretty dire. I mean, who knows if they're going to be able to get in and out. I Did Luciana have a freaking rocket launcher? Yes. I'm like, what the hell? So I want to make that clear. She had an Abraham Ford style. Yeah. 
RPG. Yeah, and my thing is that, yeah, I mean, we've come a long way. <laughs> my thing is that, no. <laughs> well, here's my problem with the whole scenario is I don't understand, and this is especially in light of when we find out what happens, the level of rage yeah. directed towards our new group. Yeah. That's what I don't necessarily understand. I'm like, if you have this level of rage towards the vultures, I, I get it. I understand. I, I get it. But these guys, I'm like, why are you making it a mission to like blow these people up? I mean, I just don't, I don't know. I have a you hard time. You can't comprehend the, the level of, of, of dire, desperate destruction for vengeance, the this desire for vengeance. Do, I guess do you so feel that way cost. afterwards too, though? What, after it was all said and done? Like yeah. if, if they still have, I think that... Knowing the reasons and stuff. Knowing the reasons why, I mean, knowing the, reason, knowing the reasons why, I understand their feelings of rage, but directed rage. I understand like, okay, we got to find the vultures and we have to exact revenge on them because they did this. Okay, I understand that. But I don't necessarily, I, I think it's misplaced anger to uh, to, to go it. after Naomi, you're saying? Or? Yeah, or Naomi, Althea. I'm like, you guys, like these guys were not affiliated with the vultures, especially in light of when they had the altercation with Mel and, and, and them at the racetrack. John Dory and, and Morgan, and they didn't have anything to do with the vultures. So um, I, I just think it's a little bit of misplaced anger to be sort of like, we got to take them out. I'm like, well, why? Like I would be the person of the group that would be like raising their hand and saying like, okay, I have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carol here. Uh, why? Um, excuse me. Why are we going to do that? Because <laughs> they killed my brother and they killed my mother. Well, okay. You want to kill Charlie? Fine. You know, like I get that. Yeah, it's rough. It's I, rough. I, I understand that. You know, fine. You know, I, I think a lot of that has to come from the journey too. It's. I mean, to th- maybe they're just so disgruntled at this point and so shell shocked. Oh, I mean, they've been through so much. They've they've made it through. I w- I want to say more horrible situations than this, and mm-hmm. yet you know it, it, you feel like you're almost there you've almost made it mm-hmm. and after every single doubt <laughs> Yeah. that they've had that they've had to exorcise that it comes to this point and she's taken out trying to protect them yeah it's almost unjust you know she 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 herself has had to do so much in her life like think about all the sacrifices that you know your ancestors have made to try to get you to where you are today and then imagine all the horrors that they've had to face through and then and then to be taken out by something so insignificant it just yeah. feels unju- it feels unjust yeah. no I understand that I mean I, I understand it was just one of those man I we really going to waste that RPG on these people? Like, I mean, is that kind of necessary? I think it, I think it was really more to get to Naomi because the show makes it very clear that all they want is Naomi. They want every single last one of them done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so the question marks, the que- there's a question mark on Charlie. I mean, obviously there is a doubt. Luciana does not shoot at Charlie at the end. She does have her, she does step back from the, mm-hmm. you know, from the previous episode from that brink. Mm-hmm. But she is more than happy to go after Naomi. And what is interesting is that from their point of view they don't have our the luxury of our you know seeing the behind the scenes with John I mean, they don't even have the luxury of knowing except for maybe Strand mm-hmm. knowing what Naomi's been through was it the FEMA yeah, center FEMA, whatever it's called yeah, yeah. that FEMA kind of outpost Strand does but at the same time he's he's the one who kind of gave it to her mm-hmm. on the way there you know he's well aware of what she what what is possible for her and, and I think maybe that's why he would probably go that far is that not only did you backslide but you 
backslided so far that you ran out on us and and you made it happen so that the place could get overrun yeah no i i i do understand what you're saying but that is justified and i mean the perception too yeah perception that she was in cahoots with them or something when in reality that wasn't really the case oh yeah and that's that's the worst part is that you went right to their arms that kind of thing you know and 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 then after you hear about what she's been through how long it took that took her to actually get to to finally like give out it took her like a couple days running straight and then you know her almost dying on the side of the road before they the vultures pick naomi up right exactly i i kind of get it you know she she, from their point of view she's run out she's tried to escape a couple times even with madison Mm -hmm. and it's like you know we we went on we went out on such a limb for you Mm -hmm. we gave you all the chances in the world to be different and and you could even say that oh yeah she's just gonna fly and we were saying this throughout the season too by the way oh she's she's gone she wouldn't stick around Mm -hmm. you know even though even though by near the end it seemed like she would you know they're still in the back of our mind was would be kind of like oh she's gone she left yeah no you you are correct it's really difficult for us to watch the show to to imagine because yeah it's 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 kind of like what we're gonna on a smaller scale what we're gonna kind of have to deal with rick uh, Depending on yeah. how that all goes down. God, but, I know. Yeah, you, you could hope for a the similar kind of exit. We need to have a different uh, podcast, by the way, just on Walking Dead news. No, <laughs> why? Because we can go into into streams of, of oh, information. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Well, I mean, we have a break, so we do. We can always get into it. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm just saying. Would love a shorter podcast. <laughs> Once <laughs> we could do a mini podcast. It would be short. It wouldn't be like long, but yeah. just saying. Well, we can do another episode this week or next week. <gasps> That's true. Just dedicated to the Walking Dead news. The world is our oyster. Yes, yes. Open for us. Mm-hmm. Um, Precise. Yeah, it's it's looking pretty grim. You know, an, an RPG hits the side of the damn thing and, and the door the door merely falls off. Yeah, that was kind of funny, actually. <laughs> a tank within a tank within a bank vault. And then it just falls off like, yeah. burp. What does he call? I see. I like... <laughs> I wanted to actually see what he actually calls her. Okay, okay, um, okay. When he, when Alicia finally has Charlie and Althea tries to get her to calm down, uh-huh. you know, I would have punched you in the cooch. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm sorry, that was that great. was that was. I was dying when I that heard when she said that. It was fabulous. It was awesome. Uh, perfect. All it's, right, but it's called good writing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I love that she became comic foil. Like, I I think they just started seeing, okay, she's got these snappy comebacks. Let's Mm -hmm. keep going with this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this other line, when the RPG hits the side of the door and the door falls off, she goes to Alicia (laughs) standing over with a gun. Want to help me with this door? Yeah. She has a good sense of humor about it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Again, like, kind of like a Jesus line, honestly. Yeah. It is very much Jesus line. Other people be pissing their pants. She's kind of like, ah, well, yeah, I'll get out of this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, this one's going to be a little trickier. But all Ninja right. moves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's scrappy that one. Mm-hmm. Punched in the cooch. Uh, I didn't even write this the, this line down, but when uh, you know the whole thing when they were shooting out there and Althea yeah. was hiding behind the top, mm-hmm. and um, it, and that this kind of goes to the idea of they really just want Naomi. They're kind of shooting at Althea, but really they just really? want Naomi. Yeah. And they're even appealing to her. They say, "Hey, if you come back on our side, you know you don't have to be a part of this." And you know she mentions the layers comment, like, eh, "I got layers, girl." 
and yeah, uh, lots of layers. Yeah, and gives her a way out. And then even Morgan putting himself in front of Naomi near the end. It, yeah. It's, it's kind of like he knows that they don't want to hurt people. It's like he knows these people's hearts. Mm-hmm. He kind of knows what they've been through. Doesn't know exactly. Yeah. But he. But I remember when he was trying to make it clear to Nick, it doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what's happened. You get to decide your future. You know, you you get to write your your story. Mm-hmm. And, and that really got him. So he kind of has an idea of like, they've been through something. They're good people, but they're they're in a situation where they can't they, they can't get out of and they feel like they have to do that with blood yeah and, exactly and, and, right. and it became very clear to him perfectly done in this in this show and I feel like we're I know we're bouncing around but it, simply put when they finally do I, I don't even want to go through the whole thing with the uh, John and the cool walkie-talkie trick and they didn't come out of the thing and Althea was trying to call them out even though Alicia was she's like saying yeah call them out because I'm here and I'm gonna fuck them up mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. that whole thing I mean that's suspenseful that's action whatever it's it's great it's kind of cool it's something you had to be there for to watch it's really less fun when somebody has to explain it to you on a podcast but the, <laughs> but the coolest thing about this whole scene it's funny how I can really just sum up the present in just so little you know aside from after Morgan is is the Morgan scene with Alicia yes and that whole confrontation is so nerve-wracking because even after Alicia sees the Amina video the Wilhelmina mm-hmm. video yes with his with her mother in the past she still wants to go after Naomi but I you do sense that there's there's a bit of not holding back there's a bit of like it's automatic now she's kind of on autopilot she's on a like kind of like Morgan he's on autopilot yeah and and when she finally cr- confronts Morgan it's this moment and Morgan steps in front of Naomi he's like you're gonna have to go through me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm too crazy to back down now I'm too crazy to not do this yeah I've made it past so much and you in my life is not gonna end with your bullet because you're not that kind of person yeah killing me would be cold blood this it would be going too far and you're not capable of that yeah and yeah. eventually she kind of drops the weapon <laughs> yeah she relents mm-hmm. now what did you think of that scene because I know that some people can look at that scene and think oh this is kind of hokey you know this this is <sighs> you know I just I thought it was particularly beautiful because of that one line where he mentioned he mentions I stepped aside for your brother I am not stepping aside for you I mean I figured Morgan was gonna get through just because of the fact that this girl is is inherently not a seasoned fighter you know this is not by nature who she is so or like a hardened fighter you mean a hardened fighter yeah this is not who she is so Morgan you know with his boundless wisdom is fully capable of just kind of getting through and just kind of pointing out what we already know which is like hey this isn't who you are killing killing is too easy not killing is is way harder who said that you kind of get that impression from the way he was dealing with Henry Mm -hmm. in that whole scenario and Mm -hmm. you do kind of get that impression from Carl when he I think he kind of said that too um, when he was talking to Rick and talking to Negan, you know, killing is easy, but but stopping and, and is the hardest part. That and is it a, has to stop in yeah. order for you to stop having to worry about dying. Yep, and absolutely. Move, and moving on and having something more. So there's there's a lot of elements of that. You know, that's that's kind of what Morgan is playing with when he's talking to Alicia. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got to stop somewhere. There's got to be something for after. You know, it can't yeah. just be a, a, a cycle of revenge and making the rest of the world pay for something that happened. Much like the way Carl thought. Yep. Yeah, and I, I just love that. You see, and Madison got that, and and I love how her message. She's trying to, from the past, reach them in the future. Even after I'm gone, you've got to remember this is already in you. It's already in you to survive. It's already in you to. You, you've done the surviving bit. Now it's time to carry the goodwill bit. The the, the bit that sees the good in others and saves them, especially yourself. I agree. I, honestly, that that really sums up the the present scenes. Yeah. What what really breaks open this episode 
episode is the distant past scene. Yes. And then when you get to the end and they explain what happened at the diamond. Yes. It's kind of like the epilogue. Oh, yeah. The epilogue that explains everything. Exactly. We kind of explain the whole tripwire thing Mm -hmm. in the beginning with Madison. Uh, She, she, Althea does kind of get one over on her, but not before Madison still has the gun pointing to her, which kind of just proves that Madison's just a motherfucking badass. She is, which is why I still hold on to my theory, but we'll get there. Oh, yeah. We'll get there. (laughs) So the one thing I did observe was that Madison, Madison was really looking rough in that scene. Which is why I wasn't sure where we were in the timeline, because she was. Yeah. Yeah. She was in a bad place. You know, we'd always assumed that she had changed right after the dam broke. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, she finds a village and then she fixes up Strand and Alicia and Nick and all these problems. But then you realize that it really wasn't that. But I think she was just really trying to power through and keep the family, quote unquote, together. Together, yeah. And they know, and I'm sure having to take care of Nick, which who clearly, when she finally reunites with her family after the Althea thing, he clearly has like some sort of real bad, bad, yeah, bad PTSD. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You thought it was pretty bad when you saw him in the second episode, but it was way worse. Like barely yeah. could hang on. Mm-hmm. And probably mm-hmm. doing way worse without her, which kind of really brings home the dialogue that he and ha- he and her had throughout the, the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. The walls, they make me feel like I don't have to be that person outside of them. And then and him finally bringing it home, just the, the episode beforehand, episode seven, how he finally admits it really wasn't the walls. It wasn't one of the walls of the stadium. It was you. Mm-hmm. And, and that isn't brought home more than when she finally reunites with Nick and she holds him and you understand in that moment, it's not the walls, it's her. Yeah. When I'm around you, I, I feel like I'm my best self. Yeah. I'm a better person. And yeah. and yeah, it's it's just, it's really, it's really, and you know what? It, as soon as I see that hugging scene, I'm reminded of that scene with him at the diamond just before the vultures come in with the walkers and him just standing real straight and tall with that, with that mug of water in his hand and he has his arm around his mom and he's really thankful and he's, you know, just proud and standing up strong and straight. You know, I just, I just love that scene because it's like empowered, you know, he's mm-hmm, not, he's mm-hmm. not debilitated by his PTSD anymore. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. I feel like those decisions were so deliberate too, you know, like to choose him because he doesn't really stand up all that straight, really. He kind of has this no. backward slouch thing going on sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like where his belly's out sort of. <laughs> I don't know. You're anyway. right. You're right, actually. That's true. It's like his lower back is on a swivel. So he's either crouching forward or something, looking de- looking kind of creeping, the shoulders creeping forward, or he's kind of sitting back, kind of just going, hey, guys. In the past, she still has, a, she has Althea in the binds, and Althea gets out of the binds, but Madison still whoops her ass. Yeah, yeah. And and we really get to the tapes, too, because, I, well, we get to the tapes before that, too, when she's in her, her binds, Althea's in her binds, and the, it's worth mentioning the whole, um, the Eugene and Abraham tape, the Doctor and yes. Abe. That made me so happy. Did you see and that angry. at first? No, I did not see that at first. No, I didn't I either. Not, I didn't, I caught it upon, like, watching it again and hearing about it, and then when I saw it, I was like, oh, Abe and the Doctor, Abraham <laughs> Ford and Dr. Eugene Porter. Right. And and they admitted that the on um, Talking Dead that that was deliberate. I think they it. had to, too, because I, I don't know if everybody saw that, really. Yeah, they, they, yeah, I don't think everybody saw that. Side note, apparently, there has been talk about, you know, the little, um, 
the little uh, vignettes during Walking Dead or, you know, like Red Machete and all of that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they're talking about doing similar things like that, those little vignettes, but instead of it being like um, kind of similar in the, in the vein of Red Machete where, you know, you kind of see that it is a backstory of the Red Machete and like Joe from, we see Joe from the Claimers. Right. Again, they're talking about doing stuff like that, but with some of our old characters that maybe we didn't see enough of or that are deceased, mm-hmm. like some backstory kind of stuff. Oh, that's interesting. I was hoping when they did the crossover and nothing against Morgan, but in my mind, I loved Abraham. Loved oh, yeah. Abraham. Yeah. So like I was really, and because I know that Abraham and Eugene and Rosita came from Houston, you know, in my mind, I was like, okay, this right. kind of makes sense. Obviously that didn't happen, but there is talk that there might be something along the lines that they might do. So we can see some of those particular vignettes, you think? Yeah. Or those um, tapes maybe even? Could be. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, I see that. I, I wouldn't want it to be like an overt thing, but I, I would want it to be like, oh, she stumbles upon a tape with a working battery and a VCR or something and they see this excerpt or something. Or they watch okay. them being taped or something on the side okay. of the road. Oh, look, somebody's getting interviewed in the apocalypse. Yeah. Hey, All right, moving on. <laughs> well, you know, and, and Fear the Walking Dead had some companion web, you know, web series slash, you know, commercial break series too. Mm-hmm. They had The Flight, I think, from the first season, I think it was, right. or the second season, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they had, I think, another series in season three, at the beginning of season three, and it was the whole border scene with the, with the guy from the first season, one of the, the soldiers from the first season, I think it was. Mm. I, it's funny because I want to rewatch that and see if there's anything that links up with the series now. Mm-hmm. And, and and yeah, I'm curious to see where that would where that would go. Because I, I, I want to see those linearly because you kind of, the problem with having them in the commercial breaks is that you they become forgettable. Yeah. Like you remember that scene and you're like, oh, okay, I remember. Oh, I see where we are. And then you, you don't watch it and then you move on. You, you're focused on the series. Yeah, pretty much. If I, yeah, if you see them in succession, you, okay, okay, now I care about this. You know, this, yeah. this, makes, this makes some sort of sense. Right. So there's some other things though too. I noticed that some of the tapes were labeled Jameson and Colleen, Texas. Mm. And those, by the way, were on the Vulture's maps. Mm. Those, those particular cities mm. were on the Vulture's map. And I'm wondering to myself if that has any foreshadowing for Althea. Mm. Nothing is a coincidence in this universe. Yeah, every, like a lot of the, I think there were more tapes with some of those cities, but those in particular were mentioned in the map. So I'm like wondering myself, were the, did she hit up those places after the vultures, before the vultures? Is her relationship tied in any way with them at all? No, I don't think so, but it makes me wonder. Mm, very so, interesting. Yeah. So Madison does knock Althea the F out. Yes. And then takes her video camera and cassettes in the hopes of trying to find clues as to where her children are. Mm-hmm. And and again, she's really rough. She's really desperate. She's been trying for, for a very long time to find them and just cannot. She has a walkie, hasn't found them. And I'm sure in this world with no power, I don't know how she would be able to continue to charge her, her walkie. So, you know, I'm sure she's trying to use it sparingly. I would be, I would have to assume. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's like needle in Texas is so big. Yeah. So big. When you really start thinking about how big Texas is, it's really a wonder how she found them in the first place. Oh, yeah. Althea does manage to catch up with her. She yeah. does catch up with her and is very anxious to make sure all her tapes are in order. Just as before when she was almost freaking out when the lockbox was open mm-hmm. in previous episodes and then with Alicia rifling through them in the present. See, and that's the thing. Normally, if this was the apocalypse, Althea would have just shot the person who took her stuff and moved on. Right. But no, they're both playing this game of being really good people but really capable. And it really does tell us a lot about both Madison, you know, the dark, you know, the rough person, and Althea, the 
the capable, the charitable person. Like, because all she wants is this interview. She wants her story. She doesn't want anything from mm. her, really. She just wants yeah. to know about her. Yep, she just wants her story. And so it's it's kind of interesting to put these two together. You know, this person who's willing to do anything for her family, for the good of her family, protect them, keep them safe, give them the tools to survive, to be to have a future more than anything else. And then you have Althea, who's just this capable person who just wants a story to to hold this altruism, this this high ideal in the apocalypse. Yeah, so they're both fighting for something more from the very start. Yeah. And, and both of them refuse to kill the other person, even though that's that's an option that's on the table. It's kind of interesting to see that, you know, Madison's all tied up, got nowhere to go. She's desperate. She's hopeless. She kind of just leans in to defeat at that point. And it's not all that bad. She's not dead, which is a good thing after all this, after being caught again. Finally, after, after being tied up, Madison is leaning into her defeat. I think that this is the point where she kind of goes into the story about the bird to kind of illustrate her kids and their, I guess, optimistic altruism. Right, how optimistic how, they could be. Yeah, and how she needed to find them and find a place where they can live their lives with that sort of mentality. Right, to foster that before the outside world takes that away from them. Takes that away from them, yeah. Here's the interesting thing is the Madison that we're seeing right now is just before the crazy, hopeful, optimistic, charitable Madison we see later. Yeah, because this is basically we st- we eventually kind of realized that this is post dam, not post stadium. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the interesting part is that she's saying right here is that I'm afraid what I'm trying to find is impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And lo and behold, she latches onto it for dear life and makes it gospel. Mm-hmm. And everybody's praying at that altar. Mm-hmm. So I just, it's just very interesting to see how different things are. Yes. Pre and post. So, but yeah, and then she she launches in the story about how they have this place that they stayed on vacation, and Nick and Alicia are nursing this bird that they found injured back to health a bird that hit their window which is usually a bad omen is it really yeah yeah what does it mean usually it usually means death is coming to you oh yeah that's heavy isn't it but even though Madison herself was completely doubtful like oh this bird does not look good and and here's the thing here's the best part is that you could tell that by now your perception of Alicia and your perception of Nick is crazy different and I think the show kind of had a pulse on the people's reaction to the way they've been behaving throughout this Mm -hmm. the first half of the season it it doesn't really hit home until Madison really describes the story because I think one of the things that we have to kind of keep our eye on the ball on is that Alicia has been and always has been determined Mm -hmm. a determined person now this could be to the negative but it could also be to the positive and Nick's sensitivity is is his feelings his his, his empathy towards others and their point of view even though it's strange right these two things that Madison describes in the story you know Alicia's determination to will this bird to live and Nick's sensitivity his desire to protect this bird with her pragmatism you know she was she's thinking this bird ain't gonna live but yeah. the bird who, whom they la- named Amina uh, lived anyway because the kids did not give up yeah and, they didn't give up on the bird and she realized then and there that this is something that she has to preserve and it's something that she did later on you know bef- in in her early days and and later on in life you know with their yeah. with their father with the death of um, their father or at least Nick's father right yeah yeah. And so it, it just goes to show how, how far she was, you know, willing to go to not only protect their lives, but to protect that part of them that she's been so ju- desperate to find. And then when they, when they find the stadium, it's it's game over. It's great. Yeah. You've saved the princess. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> so they, she explains the story and then she goes on to finally tell her what happened. She They got separated, clearing a big space outside of El Paso. And, you know, she cuts her loose and, Althea, you know, Althea cuts her loose and gives her food and arms. And it just goes to 
to show that, you know, with a little bit of courtesy and a little bit of best intentions, you know, you don't get the best intentions automatically, but there's the potential there, right? Yeah. And uh, and basically, it's kind of like Althea kind of doesn't give her a choice almost. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, after Madison leans in and finally gives up and gives up her story and says what's been going on, Althea lives up to her word. She doesn't kill her after giving her her story. Yeah. She she doesn't let her go. She not only, she just, she gives her food, she gives her guns, kind of like a down payment. I want your story to work out. Absolutely. And Madison moves on and she finally finds, she sees their truck outside of a motel finally. And what's cool is you finally, you get to see the three clicks. Do you remember the three clicks on the walkie? Three clicks on the walkie. Yeah. Remember the sign that, that Madison used when she found Naomi and she was in trouble and she clicked on the walkie three times to signal them to come to her direction. Uh-huh. She uses that when she finds their truck to first of all to make sure it's them because somebody could have stolen the truck. Mm-hmm. So I love how that 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 kind of connects. It's a callback. They have this signal and they use it again. So she uses the three clicks and then on the other side they go mom. You know, t- so they know it's her. Right. And she goes, "Is that your truck?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love it. Good callback. It really connects the the universe a little bit better. Yeah, it brings it all together. Yeah, and then and then of course they move on and they they pull up to a clearing behind like a short distance behind the diamond and uh, she kind of spotted it on the way to picking them up and she's like yeah I want to show these guys and not only do I want to use this place for us you know it's kind of big it's like I want to use this as a place to bring others in and this is strictly and it's just this weird thing where because of Althea's generosity that maybe there are people in this world that live for bigger ideals for for more than just the here and now for something more you know she she just takes that and runs like it's it's like somebody gave her the same kind of optimism that her kids have mm-hmm. and just pays it forward. Yeah, yeah. And and it really carries them out. It carries them through this whole episode with the with the diamond. They're like their whole and, and and they've survived well for like a year plus. Yeah, that is a long time. Yeah. I mean, how many people get to have that break? I mean, look, think about <sighs> All Out War. That stuff took like only a matter of months, like three, four months max. And like they got a whole year of peace and then bringing other people in, getting to know them and then having what, f- uh, 38 people, 40, 48, whatever it is. Yeah. And then all all of them died. It's it's, uh, (laughs) a big chunk. (laughs) It all comes full circle. And the reason why Madison is the way she is is because of Althea. Yes. Somebody we meet and we just, is just such a stranger. Very interesting. Yeah. So there's one thing that that Althea talks about. So it it not only is a good way of telling us the kind of person she is, you know, one of her many layers. Right. But it's also a good tie-in for what we see in this entire season. Mm -hmm. And that's the theme of saying the truth out loud even once. Yes. Okay, and she goes into the whole backstory of Twisted Round, that warlord in, in, I think it was Africa, and she goes into the story about this one this one guy who goes around this village, he tries to taunt the villagers, you know, bilk them for protection money, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And she talks to the villagers, they're not, they're not willing to say or do anything. And then she finally gets to one villager, finds out that this guy, his, his whole ability to, to keep everybody down is all, all but nothing. And then that one person that finally admits that says it out loud once. Mm-hmm. It spreads through the the village like wildfire, and this guy loses yeah. all his power. Yeah. It's the power of announcing the truth just once. And throughout this season, so far, you know, you've got guys like John Dory who'll say it like it is. Yes. <laughs> Do not hold back from saying the truth out loud, even if it's messy, even if it just doesn't make sense, like platypus. And <laughs> 
and 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 guys like Morgan who who are willing to finally admit that hey you got me out of something you know I'm willing to kind of put my cards on the table that sort of thing yeah and then you get you get guys like that on those extremes but then you guys have people in the middle like Naomi admitting admitting to John that she lost her child mm-hmm. saying it out loud means makes it real yeah it brings it home and then Strand admitting that he is a shitty person to Cole mm-hmm. saying these things out loud you know to people who you're afraid of admitting your quote unquote real self to uh, even like him going after Madison trying to get her to tell him you know why did you save me all those times and finding out that you know through talking about it and finally getting to the moment where he actually shows his cards not only once but twice saving mm. Naomi from the walkers in the FEMA center and then also as we find out later uh, saving Alicia I think it was from a burning walker you know, putting his hand in the fire and now having a instead of a, a shitty pebble to remind him of how shitty he is having like a burnt hand to remind him how he's <sighs> capable of greatness yeah you know which is interesting it's just like you go from one reminder of how shitty you are to a, like a, a permanent reminder of how awesome you are yeah yeah you know, or how awesome you could be you know I think that's it's like empowering instead of like looking at yourself like a, as a victim as like this this walking cliche yeah no that's it, true you know you've turned yourself into a hero so it's it's it, and this is all from like saying the truth out loud if only once mm-hmm. so I, I just love how this ties everything together this there's so many themes you could attribute to this this season of Fear the Walking Dead but the truth saying it out loud once you know even if nobody's gonna hear it to a microphone and a camera and, and that's the thing it ties it all home because when Madison has his interview with Althea Alicia in her darkest moment you know with her mom not echoing in her ears anymore you know, on the day to day in the stadium hears that and sees that echo from the past is able to finally snap out of it just enough mm-hmm. for Morgan to kind of get that chink in the armor and get her to lay her arms down yeah yeah. and see that's why I always wonder about how there's some people who just criticize the move to do these time jumps and I tell them it's not just about the time jumps it's about making it holding back enough and giving you enough to keep watching mm-hmm. and then weaving a really really clever not only story but a theme yeah. yeah a story is one thing and eventually you tie up all the threads and then you kind of care but to be able to weave, weave like a theme you know to, to weave like an overall like Aesop's fable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. out of the whole thing is something huge yeah I agree it's more than you kind of get out of The Walking Dead in a way yeah. at, least, at least at the last two seasons or something yeah I mean hmm. you don't yeah. get much meaning out of it I mean at the no. end you start to but but yeah we, we definitely are lacking in meaning in The Walking Dead we don't have that kind of like we did interestingly enough I think that they're trying to set the stage and try to get everybody like on board with Daryl being like the leading man because they were showing a marathon I think on Sunday that was just Daryl episodes. Daryl so, and, uh, and Merle, Dar- right? Daryl and Merle. But, but Daryl. But there was some quality dialogue in some of those older episodes. There was some good writing and some depth to the characters and relationships. I mean, Daryl and Merle had a very complicated relationship and it had depth to it. That episode when, when Daryl finds out that Merle, you know, died and is a walker. I mean, that was... Uh, no. <laughs> that was <laughs> did, did you watch the marathon? That's a bigger question. No, I didn't because I was at a bar for the World Cup. So it's like I didn't actually. Yeah, oh. I didn't. Yeah. 
class. I didn't see. That I was knew, all a Sunday, right? Uh, am I wrong? That was all Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I knew it was going on. And I was like, man, they are getting everybody hyped up or for Daryl as the leading man. But there was that. And there were also like episodes with Beth. Right. We okay. also had a lot of, you know, there was, a, so there was, there was some good writing there. I'm hoping that we'll, we'll, we'll get back to some of that. I mean, they keep saying that they will. So we'll see. But yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, and to further that point, yeah, they're, they brought back Angela K- Kang. Yeah. Yeah. Angela Kang. Who I think wrote the episode of um, with Daryl and Beth, where it was just um, the two of them in that house. I forget what was the title of that episode, but. Yeah, the Bonnie and Clyde type mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> Yeah. The house and the, the store and yeah, that whole yeah. thing. That was the introduction of the weird like McGrady hospital. Because at the end of that episode yeah. is where Beth gets kidnapped That's by, right. you know, a car with like an ambulance symbol. Right, right, right. That was such a weird storyline though. Right. That yeah, well, hospital sh- thing. great though. Because you got to see some tender moments. You get to finally have that one moment with Carol and Daryl or something. I think that's that was the episode where you thought you would see something, but you didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the same with Beth. Which is that good. Episode Beth. I mean, and I, exactly. And I appreciate that. I don't need you to kind of like give me some gratuitous love scene for the sake of whatever, to, you know? To be like a trope, like a cliche. Yeah. Daryl and Carol's relationship is more complex than that. And maybe there was some sort of interest there in Beth, but it definitely wasn't something that fully developed or got the opportunity to fully develop. Yeah. At the end of the day, it, it ends up feeling more like you know, little sister, big sister, almost. Not yeah. quite mother, I would, I would even say. Yeah. I don't think that he's really, they've really given him anybody in his age range that it would be, <laughs> not that it would be believable that you could say, okay. Well, shit, that. get Diane Kruger on the show. <laughs> Well, she's she he's yeah that this show better, show better work out because he's got a little one to feed now. So Ugh. I think he's got enough merch. Yeah, yeah, I guess he, he's good. He should be good. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Oh man, so good. You realize he's fifty? No, he's like forty nine. Oh man, wow, he's a good forty nine. Because yeah. I've seen because I've seen other people where they're like, oh, you know, I'm I'm forty four. I'm like, man, that's a hard forty four. <laughs> if you're forty four, I'm twenty two. Like, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Wow. wow, that's harsh. I, I literally <laughs> said that to my mom yesterday. We were watching something on TV. and this Oh, guy, she said something? No, this guy, oh. like on, on some reality show, and he was talking about how he's 44, and I was like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you have not been taking good care of yourself, 44. You haven't been moisturizing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Does your body always squirt lace? I mean, come on. You could be any more doily, dusty looking. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Norman Reedus is damn near 50, which is crazy. Uh, it definitely changes my perspective on him in a way. I, I give him credit for... It, it changed my perspective. When I read the article on, about him and Dan Kruger and having a kid and they said his age and I was like, holy crap. Should you be having kids? I mean... At yeah. your age? <laughs> it's like, man, you were done. You just had a kid that graduated like 18 and everything and now it's like back to the drawing board. Oh, man. <laughs> but started from the beginning yeah but at the same time it's like you know i give him credit because you know all the stunts that he does and and everything you know they are they're not easy and to my understanding he's very um active with all of that you know hands on hands on yeah mm-hmm. so that's not easy no not not at his age <laughs> no 
<laughs> wouldn't be easy at my age. Oh, so I man. can't imagine at his age. I have such, I have this really, it's almost like a prediction that I feel like it's going to happen is that during mm. the filming, he's going to get injured. Oh God. Can you imagine? I can. That's the thing. It's, it's, I feel like it's almost inevitable. Like that there's this pressure on him now. And I know it is. It's talk about like pressure. Yeah. No oh pressure. God. Should we start like a betting pool? You know how oh, much no. money we can make? All no. $2. No. Oh, $2. <laughs> I well don't earned. Want to bet on his his. Uh, no, his I don't either. But there's a part of me that like wants to just make a jokey pool. Yeah. That if it does happen, I'll be like, wow, oh, mm-hmm. right. I can't believe. It. I mean, I'm not that I can't believe I was right. But I was like, oh gosh, I yeah. had a feeling. Yeah, I got a feeling. I didn't know what actually happened. Yeah, but. I didn't really want it to happen. But uh, yeah. Anyway. <sighs> but yeah, again, goes back to the bigger point that the way they've done this season of Fear the Walking Dead so far has been really. It's like, hey, The Walking Dead, take mm-hmm. some notes. Yeah, you can. No. D- you can have the best of both worlds in, in only half a season. I know. You can and get I'm, to the point without two years of misery. L- listen, I have said I will be taking numerous breaks in the workday to go to the bathroom stall to see this trailer during Comic-Con. <laughs> last year, I was like, where's the trailer coming out? Where's the trailer coming out? Oh, the trailer's out. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, because I am. The very, world's going on hold for now. Whoa. <laughs> like, please hold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta call you back. I gotta, I gotta call you back. I gotta oh, it's that time. It's going down now. It's going down. Oh, what's going by. down? Nothing. Bye. Nothing. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I. I mean, you want to talk about pressure? It's also a lot of pressure on um, Angela Khan also to be kind of stepping into kind of a show that's. I mean, and this is a topic that we can have on like another you know subsequent podcast. I mean, it's a show that's almost sort of imploding in and of on itself mm-hmm. which I hate to say that but between Andrew Lincoln leaving and the Chris Hardwick thing and I mean there's there's a lot of things in motion that they have to kind of get their heads wrapped around and rein in and that's a lot even for a seasoned producer director showrunner whatever I mean you have your star person who decides to leave you have also you know other top tier actors that are also kind of stepping down in terms of Maggie you have to already be cognizant of the fact that Denai Guerrero is on all likelihood probably somebody that you should start thinking about that they might be on their way out at some point. I don't maybe, know. Maybe. You know, potentially. You have this Hardwick situation, which obviously is just something that you have to contend with also in one way, one way, shape, or form. I don't know. And if they manage to handle this successfully, I am going to go on my feminist soapbox hmm. and say, look at this. You had to give it to a woman to clean up this shit. And yeah. here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I'll go on my feminist soapbox and they can manage to like, you know, wow. pull off like something successful. Because I think they can. We, I think, uh, they yeah. can. I mean, I think I, that there are ways to handle all of these situations. Yeah, Each what, one of them that I mentioned, I think that there's a successful way to go about it. And I think that they can do it in a, and they can handle it in a way that I think doesn't sacrifice the, the quality <laughs> of the show. It can be well done, but it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how they, how they do with these challenges. The moment I saw each thing unravel, I thought to myself, okay, first of all, I thought, oh, this is going to suck. But then, then I thought simultaneously, a few days later, mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, this ah. is not this is <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a few days later, and wait, and then a few days later after that, as I heard of the next thing, mm-hmm. um, I said to myself, you have to look at these things after all the misery and the crying <laughs> as opportunities. They are. I, I had to say this to myself every single no, time the next Thing, right. that like is this the next only, bit of came, news came out or something. That's the only way you can look at it. Yeah. The only 
way you can look at oh, it. Oh, no, you could look at it in other ways. Like most you, people on Instagram have. Oh, they're so awful. So awful. I, I know. They're awful human beings and they, they, they are our fans. But no, they're... they're there, it's, are, there, there are pessimists out yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's really, really difficult to gauge because really, really difficult to criticize, obviously. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. deny people their feelings. No. But at the same time, it, you know, it's funny. We got a comment on YouTube the other day mm-hmm. and somebody somebody's commenting about with like Rick being on the show, off the show. I don't know if I'm going to watch it anymore. Like, well, well, we'll watch it for you and then we'll let you yeah. know how it goes. But yeah. at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, because I asked the question, so you, but you're going to watch anyway, huh? And I kind of mm-hmm. like a nudge and a wink. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no. And I'm like, really? You don't want to see, I, like, I, like literally just say you you don't want to see how the titanic sinks <laughs> it is true at I the mean, same time like how are you how are you not it is true i not want to see how it dies I, I i agree i i'm not one of those people that i can I, i'm committed to a show i can't imagine being so invested in a show for so many years i mean the show's been on for god you know freaking almost 10 years now and i can't imagine saying like you know what i'm checking out here i'm not happy with the with this what they're doing so i'm gonna stop watching no i'm gonna see this thing through because i need to understand like you said if this ship is gonna go down i want to understand how this happens right i want to see what opportunity they're going to take knowing ever with everybody knowing what's going down behind the scenes and that's the thing i've watched shows and 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 because of things they are doing in the show mm-hmm. I, I stop watching because why am i still watching the show i don't stop watching shows about casting decision changes and because if by the way if we walked away from shows because of casting changes and staff changes like oh this you know angela kong like leaves the show and then they bring this guy in and then they take this guy out and bring this guy in and mm-hmm. it's kind of like we would have stopped watching a long time ago but we didn't yeah and we got some really good story even though like it was grueling seventh and eighth season it was still good to watch it was still like yeah. really gritty and and you stuck in there because of all the the character expositions and some of the really good action sequences and the way they kind of framed certain ideas to you mm-hmm. like, even though it was hard to watch it's like a slow moving car crash you still watch mm-hmm. <laughs> you still do it son yeah no you're still gonna watch regardless and it's I still mean, good my personal opinion i feel like some of those people are a lot of talk i mean i'm sure that there are some people who stop watching like beyond my comprehension i don't understand that but i i, I have to think that with with this highly anticipated departure of andrew lincoln and with all the other moving parts involved i think this has garnered a lot of traction and interest in seeing exactly what you said if this is the titanic going down people want to see how this ship is going to go down yeah and maybe not maybe you know they in my mind there's a way that this can be done like i said that can be successful and it ties into fear and we'll get there yeah (laughs) yeah we'll get there we still haven't even gotten there (laughs) yeah yeah we'll get there yes definitely i I do i do want to bring up one more two more things with regards to this and then then we can move back to the fear it one is i do get why people feel this way it's because it's a great show it's because we've been through so much Mm -hmm. and we've been through so much with these specific characters and i told this to michael michael satrazimus you know he's my friend now so uh, he's my best friend no i'm not not. i was was gonna say (laughs) oh my god he's he's our best friend he is so i basically i left a comment on his his thing and just on you know because it was something that was relating to to andrew lincoln leaving and he him he made an actual announcement but unlike a lot of people like, there was only a couple people that said something about it on at least instagram that i'm aware of and uh, and you look through the comments and people are like oh i'm not gonna watch and I'm like you know what I, I took the opportunity on our squawking dead account to just say hey michael ignore it. i mean don't i'm saying don't ignore everybody else everybody's just acting this way because the show's created characters that are so beloved 
it, it's hard to imagine them not being a part of it. So their reaction is kind of a success story. Yeah. If you really think about it that way. It's a testament to how successful they've been in developing the characters. Enough to like feel rage at seeing them Mm -hmm. go. That's that's a credit, you know, in a a very interesting way. You have to kind of look at it that way. And I I Mm -hmm. think they do. You know, even though like, okay, there's that limit where where you see Josh McDermott and and you get all the hate and and it goes a little too far. But that that place just before that little too far Mm -hmm. is kind Mm -hmm. of a compliment that you can play Mm -hmm. such a snivelly kind of character almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's robotic, you know, kind of geeky kind of person that you're that good at that Mm -hmm. is it's a credit to the show, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. I'll admit something on air and it was I'm 18 or 19 years old and I remember seeing the previews and I mentioned the Titanic specifically because of this. I saw the previews for the Titanic movie with Kate Winslet and Leo DiCaprio and all that and and I saw it and I'm like, this is so dumb. We know how the the Titanic eventually sinks. What's the point of this movie? And I ate my words. The Titanic sinking is secondary to the story of the how from this perspective this story was about. Like looking back at it now, okay, it's a little bit too Hollywood or whatever you want to call it, cliche. Mm-hmm. But there was a moment, it was like a moment in time piece where like, it's not even a matter of the fact that we know that the Titanic is sinking. The story about is, is it focused on a specific set of characters that revolves around this theme. And and I bring this up because just because Andrew Lincoln leaves the show, it doesn't mean that there's nothing else to watch. You know, he's still part of, a, you know, the first few episodes, Ma- you know, a Maggie, a Lauren Cohan is still part of a certain amount of episodes. Don't you want to see how this rides out? Don't you want to see how this the ship sinks it's not it's not a matter that the ship sinks it's a matter of how it sinks and then you start to understand that oh this show can become so much more maybe i think that people are just very um impulsive with their words and their actions and they just have these sort of knee-jerk reactions to basically say like ah that's what they feel because it's the internet (laughs) (laughs) they basically just are shooting off the cuff and they they can't stand the idea of him leaving and look i miss abraham and i miss glenn and you know but at the same time I wasn't one of those people because there was some there were some people that stopped watching after that they were like Glenn's gone yep. Abraham's gone I'm not watching it anymore and that's their choice I mean yeah I was traumatized for weeks but at the same time it's like but I got help went <laughs> therapy good but it's like I kept watching because it's like I'm invested in this story and I need to see how this story further develops and how this story eventually comes to a close yeah, and don't and don't you want to see what do we get out of that sacrifice emotionally? Yeah, or, no. I, what's the payoff? You know, there's got to be a payoff to that. The show's got to do something awesome with that payoff. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it has to mean something. It's it's basically like the character can't die in vain. You know, there, there has to be a meaning to it. It has to be it has to be a worthwhile sort of sacrifice for a greater good. But you have to kind of stick around to watch and see is it going to develop into that? Are we going to see that? And you know, maybe we do, maybe we don't but you have to kind of watch it to see right right absolutely and you know we're getting the same thing from people who watch Fear the Walking Dead I mean just before this episode there's just so much or not even before but like during I no sorry throughout this entire season people have been calling that Madison was going to die and when we finally and it's kind of funny because we never really got a definitive answer and even though everybody kept saying I'm you know I'm I'm done with the show Madison's dying blah 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 they still kept watching (laughs) they still Mm -hmm. kept watching just to make sure right so they didn't counter out and when when the final episode actually aired you got less and less of that mm. you know you still got some people who said I'm done with the show you killed off Madison but to her own Instagram account to Kim Dickens own Instagram it's just mm-hmm. so funny mm-hmm. and, then, and then but 
but like again it's like a testament to how much an actor has to after a while say I can't believe I did this job so well you know? like I can't believe that the, it's a credit to her to, to the crew to the staff to the writers that they created this character that's so beloved that they, they, they're that emotionally visceral about their reaction to them being gone wow especially since you know she may not be gone <laughs> And what's the episode called? Uh, no, I, no one's gone till they're gone. No, exactly. it's just no one's gone. Oh, it's really? It's that that's just the title. It's not no one's gone till they're gone. It's no, just no one's gone. No one's gone. Well, well, there you go. Exactly. Well, there you have it. Well, there you have it. <laughs> this is exactly my point. Can I get to my point? You well, no. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because the the one thing that we need to do is we fla- we're going to do this. We're going to flash mm-hmm. to the video uh-huh. where we get Madison's quote. I'm going to give it to you now. Okay. And then we're going to we're going to move on to the campfire scene and all that stuff because they have Gosh. to recount the the scene uh, mm-hmm. at the diamond. And yes. so we're going to start with this. Which is see- very artistically done. Oh my god. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> yes. So it starts we start to see or actually hear Madison first and then we see her. Mm-hmm. And it starts saying, "But the light's getting fainter every day that we're out here." Mm-hmm. I'll do what I can. I'll do whatever it takes to keep it alive. And Alicia's watching this tape. Yeah. She greets Morgan. They have that moment. She, right. She she backs away. Naomi saves John. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I stepped aside for your brother. I won't st- I'm not going to step aside for you. Whatever you think you've lost, whatever your mother wanted for you, it's in you. It's still in you and I see it. And it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not like he knows the story. No. But he knows it from piecing it together from Nick, from her, that whole scenario. You know, just watching them talk to this camera and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and again, Morgan takes away her firearm. He's, he's the taker of firearms at this rate. He disarms people. And you know what I thought when I saw that? What? I said, like, there's no one in this group. Like, remember how panicked we were with just John Dory giving him his, his six shooters? Mm-hmm. Like, I, we thought we were like, okay, no, no, that's the wrong person to give a gun. <laughs> but by the end of this episode, I'm kind of like, there's no one in this show I'd rather see have a gun than Morgan yeah, at this rate. It's incapable hands. My God. But how, how have we flipped? I'm just yeah. amazed at how this show has managed to actually flip us. So it turns out that Madison never told them about Althea because of the way she kind of acted towards her. But she told them enough about the kindness of strangers and, you know, she, how she was shown that things can get better. Things can be better. You know, they can dream bigger than just mm-hmm. themselves and keeping their light alive. But pass that light on to others just like Althea did her. Alicia has Althea pull over because she needs to finally say the truth out what loud happened? if only once. And they all step aside. They go by the campfire. There's noodles involved. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and they start talking about about the story and I gotta admit it was it was some it was big because you have the scene and it's this slow-mo past yeah. scene mm-hmm. there's a lot going on and it's just this thing and, and your your heart's kind of I know my heart was kind of racing a little bit not like mm-hmm. not the same as Rick and Negan and the trailer and him with the hatchet and oh, hanging yeah, no. from the body no, that not was, that, that kind of heart intense. racing no. oh, but there's this like tension in the back of your neck like something's gonna happen and I'm not gonna like it yeah and, like you, you kind of know by the way side note all walking Dead fans get that feeling do with some of these episodes. In fact, that episode that we were talking about before with Daryl and Beth in the McGrady Hospital. Oh God! Remember how that ended with like the yeah. prisoner exchange and Beth eventually basically walks into killing herself. You just knew. And it. there was somebody memed that scene, like when both sides are on either side to do the prisoner exchange, and they like how how did they phrase it? It's like that moment when all Walking Dead fans knew this was not going to end well. <laughs> 
Oh, and I remember watching that episode and it was like seven minutes left. I was like, something really bad is going to happen in the next five minutes. And you know, it's it's weird because I feel like the Fear of the Walking Dead had brought back the idea of, you know, these sacrifices don't happen in vain. Mm-hmm. Whereas in The Walking Dead, some of the sacrifices in the last two years just feel like it didn't mean anything. Beth's death was so pointless. Well, no, that's the thing. She managed to stab that woman in the heart on the, or I don't know. In the shoulder. Know. She didn't even do any damage to her. Right, right. But like enough to kind of throw her off her game so that by the end of it, it's like, you know, at least something was done. And then they she managed. Died in vain. Yeah. Person. Well, she died. She definitely died. I, I wouldn't say in vain. Again, I think she was dying for a purpose. Like she, how much the group means to her and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. But it threw everybody off their game enough to be able to wrench the whole situation wide open. You know, they, they got out with flying colors. They, it stunned everybody, too. It stunned mm-hmm. you as a viewer when, when yeah. you saw that in her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the, uh, and what's her name? I forget her name now. No, no, no. It, the, well, yeah, that's true. But the whole idea of her going after, you know, the, what's her face? I forget, uh, I forget yeah, the villain's name. Yeah, I don't name. remember the lady's name. No. Yeah, but it, it, again, it was so shocking to everybody at that scene, you know, playing out that scene, that it, it just made it so that they could fuck shit up. Yeah, <laughs> so, yep, pretty much. Yeah, so I don't know, anyway. But the, it, but the idea that, okay, is that, you know, so Strand, Luciana, Madison, clearing a path for Nick, uh, Mel, and Al- Mel, and Al- Alicia. And while that's all happening, all the, the dwellers, the stadium dwellers trying to escape you know they're trying to get out of the walls they're mm-hmm. basically doing the opposite of what Madison instructed them to do you know they were they safest yeah they were safest inside the walls in, in the whole milieu they like Mel and t- takes Charlie uh, and escapes in the Land Rover you know so that's how that Land Rover got to escape you know and I think when they when they saw Naomi get out of the Land Rover they'd assumed that she had escaped in the Land Rover and took it from them and mm-hmm. went straight to the vultures but that's not the case no. you know so there was an assumption yeah because you if you remember Naomi talked a big game about the Land Rover yes when Alicia and her were at, the, were at the water park so there's like this okay how do you know about the Land Rover so much oh nothing yeah, never mind mm-hmm. yeah and then you find out the stadium dwellers uh, they kind of fell to the infected yeah which is kind of sad for Cole I liked Cole actually yeah I, I I kind of also thought like oh maybe they got out and then I was like oh I guess not mm, that sucks yeah I you know I actually left um, Sebastian Sozi I think it was or what? yes yeah, I left him a little message and said, hey, look, I just want to let you know you were fantastic, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I really wish that we could have squeezed at least a few, at least a few more episodes out of you. It, I know. You really were just a treasure on the show. And he really liked it. Like, he, he sent us a comment and said, hey, thank you, man. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you nailed it. Yeah, no, he was good. I actually heard an interview with him recently. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, on another podcast. Like, he's a cool dude. Yeah, yeah, all around. Mm-hmm. I think he's, inv- he's he's involved in a lot of things now, too. So, yeah, good for he's him. involved in a lot of projects, and he's local, like <laughs> New Yorker. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. I did not know that. Yeah, but maybe we'll get him on. <laughs> I always love hearing, like, my fellow New Yorkers. It makes yeah. me feel like home. Yeah, we're, we're so prideful. <laughs> yeah. We, we and, keep them. We got the good ones here. And New Yorkers just have certain phrases that they say and I kind of forget living in Florida that it's not universal oh. I kind of assume that everyone says certain things and yeah. then oh I guess not you're like how you doing it's like hello not even like, just I don't that. care about certain how you phrases. feel right now just like certain <laughs> phrases like I don't know I I, I I mean I don't say it all the time but the occasional you know what I'm saying oh like, yeah you know uh, what I mean that's that's definitely a, a northeast New York New Jersey tri-state area thing because I definitely <laughs> don't hear it down here um <laughs> 
is my what's the the one that I am guilty of saying not for nothing. That's <laughs> definitely. I can't believe that's like such an old person thing. To say. But it's I had I still have girlfriends who will say, "Look, not for nothing," but blah 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 blah. Like, oh, you know what though? I, I yeah, I think I know what you mean because I think that's like an old thing that people used to say that I think other neighborhoods started picking up on and started mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. after a while, like not mm-hmm. for nothing. Like shit, man. Whoa, I thought we got rid of that in the fifties. Yeah, no. <laughs> Mm-mm. Oh Just my saying. god. But yeah, he seems like a cool dude. Yeah, yeah. So, and then we find out that he dies, and, and basically all like what thirty eight, thirty nine yeah. of them die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the number, yeah. Uh, that's that's really upsetting. But yeah, it, it kind of accentuates the fact that like gives Alicia a little bit more ammo to kind of be really fucked up about Anger. it. Yeah. So the stadium was overrun because as the stadium dwellers left, the doors were left open, mm-hmm. and so that that basically left it open so the walkers could come in. And despite them trying to leave. Like, like stave them off at a certain point their walkers were wedged between the rest of the group and Madison and Madison basically took it upon herself to lead the walkers away into the stadium in the very place that they thought could shelter them from the outside world it's kind of like uh, I don't know when I when I saw the episode again I okay I'm a huge Legend of Zelda geek okay okay, okay. and and part of like Legend of Zelda lore is the idea that in most of the games or at least the main titles that Ganon is, is basically the the villain that he that pops up in every uh-huh. in every of the games and you know he he basically steals the triforce of power and he tries to get the triforce of wisdom and courage you know basically representing Zelda as the wisdom and Link as the courage and he tries to get all three to basically dominate you know have his mm-hmm. wishes granted and do whatever he wants in life so mm-hmm. part of getting rid of Gan is that you really can't eliminate him is but you have to seal him away okay. and so when I saw the walkers go Madison leading the walkers into the stadium I thought to myself oh my god this is like Link sealing Sealing away again and you know sealing him so that they he, they can't get out so like he, they seal him into this like protective thing mm-hmm. and so I, I'm like this is kind of cool like you turn the one thing that that was going to guard you from the outside world and then you bring the outside world to guard the outside world from mm-hmm. you know from the you know from them so and I just thought that was pretty cool okay you know the very stronghold all right I think I could see that it's like a dungeon now <laughs> all right all right for you geeks out there that was just for you there that, wasn't, you go. that wasn't for Carol. <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm a very vocal geek. I'm, I'm, I I wear that moniker proudly. Start playing, son. Yeah, there you go. Start playing The Legend of Zelda, y'all. Just saying. And so as they're talking about the story, like they get to the part where Naomi kind of interjects and she says, I booked because the walkers were entering in and the stadium's a big place. And she'd assume that the Clarks actually died. And mm-hmm. and of course, if you remember, the, the Clarks had assumed that Naomi died also. And that's what they told John. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they it's like a vice versa situation. Like I thought you left me, you know, I thought you left me to die because you had died. You know, you wouldn't leave me behind for nothing. And and she was trying to basically get the rest of the stadium dweller, dwellers to stay as well. It's like, don't leave. I mean, you're safer in here. If you if you leave, you're leaving this place open to be overrun. It's like, no, we don't intend on staying and we don't want to come back. So, you know, Naomi was the only one who stayed. And then when she couldn't stay anymore, she left. Right. And that kind of brought Alicia to a better place in her mind, gave her a chance to kind of figure it out. And then if you remember you know Madison had made her sacrifice and the team that you meet that's the team like shortly not not too long after the stadium fell I don't know how long after the stadium fell but uh, you know Luciana Strand Nick and Alicia they run across the SWAT van and Strand basically said and, and it's kind of like it's important to remember from when when Strand says to Naomi you did what you had to do because the Clarks did the same thing they basically stole a woman's SWAT van mm-hmm. uh, so they get it there's like a means for them to understand what Naomi had to do 
And they ha- she had to leave. She could not stay. Right. So I feel like now we've kind of got a little bit of closure, you know, after all of their trying to kill Naomi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with figuring that out, the team basically explained how, you know, with so many dead in the stadium already, they tried to clear a path. Madison, you know, locked the dead in the stadium with her because there was nothing to do about it. She couldn't get out. There's mm-hmm. still so many around the stadium too. So she basically... With the oily walkers, she basically turned the flare on them and just lit them and, you know, hope for the best. But, you know, that she sacrificed herself in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Strand burning his hand off the walker, saving Alicia. He has that reminder now. And then, and then Madison actually sends something off to the team before she leaves. You know, she does the same thing that Alicia did in the car when she was with Mel and um, Nick. Mm-hmm. You know, remember how she had that final send off? Yes. And basically trying to tell, yeah, tell Madison, you know, we did this to live up to your promise, to your ideals you know Mm -hmm. so madison doing the same thing she says i was afraid to lose this place because i thought you needed it to stay who you are right now but you know it and then she says no one's gone until they're gone Mm -hmm. and then and then the the crew just says it was never about the stadium it was about the people Mm -hmm. it it was about us that's why my mom gave up her life so that we could live you know it's Mm -hmm. just it's just so dramatic it's so great yeah yeah what did you think about that though may i oh please (laughs) I think it was very well done. I think it was very artistically done. You're like, bullshit. (laughs) You know what? I was going to say that my reaction was to reference Simon from The Walking Dead. Mm. Bullshit. Bullshit? Yes. (laughs) I refuse to believe that a badass like Madison is going to lead walkers into a stadium, light them up, and just kind of allow herself to be consumed rather than run up the freaking risers the way she did in previous episodes. <laughs> and I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And once they're in, they're not outside anymore. How about the, how about oh, the, they, they were still outside though. Well, but eventually like they seem like they all went in because by the time they go in the now to drive over there, when they were outside the stadium, there were very little to no walkers. It isn't until they break into the stadium. That's like, Oh my God, look at all these walkers, you know, but true. it, it seemed like, but I think that was a co- over the course of like a month or so, you know, was, yeah, she can wait it out. Dissipate. Yeah, she can wait it out. She's a badass, right? I mean, this uh-huh. is me. like she's supposed to be a badass. Like it's very hard for me to imagine a badass <laughs> just gonna say, "I'm just gonna, you know what? I'm just gonna kill myself. I'm just gonna sacrifice myself. I'm not even gonna try." And and here and my other thing with this show, which I always say, is that I don't buy it for a second unless I see a body. Where's the body? Where's the body? Where's if the I don't see, If I don't see a body, major side eye. And I think I put a gif of it on Twitter. And one of my you did. I was like, yeah, major side eye when I don't see a body on this show. I'm like, mm. That got many reactions. It, was it good. did get many reactions. Very good. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, unless I see the body, I'm, I'm, you want to talk about reasonable doubt? I have reasonable doubt. And and then the title of the episode is like, no one's gone because she's not gone. So <laughs> my personal feeling, simply put, simply put, she's not gone. Basically, if you, if you want to go with a loophole, the character of Madison died that night. Yes, mm. I will give that to you. And out of the ashes rose Alpha. Right, right. And Something that, that we have talked about. And this is something that I think, I can't say that's what they're going to do because I don't know what the hell they're going to do anymore on this show. If I had to basically say what is going to be a big impact, because we know this whole Whisper story arc is happening. Based on everything that we hear in the chatter and everything as it's progressing, it's like they're marching towards that storyline. So it is going to happen. Without a doubt. And it is going to happen this coming season. But this is your biggest person. This is your biggest leader of this group. And no one knows who 
this person who's going to play it is. I mean, shoot, we know who was going to play Negan before Negan showed up. We knew Jeffrey Dean Morgan was cast and we knew that he was going to play Negan. In this case, no one has a clue. No one has a clue. No one, who's who's Alpha? Pretty who's tight-lipped. De- yep. who's, who's Deanna? No. <laughs> <laughs> who's Alpha? <laughs> who's Alpha? Who's Beta? But, no, Beta is Taka. That's Beta. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's still out there. Interesting. He's still out there. Okay. Yeah, but I think he's got... I'm not disputing it. I, well, no, I'll let you have this one. <laughs> I think he has his... Oh, no. He could. Oh, he, no. Has, he has the stature of Beta. You know what's so funny is that I was going to say that... Oh, man. <laughs> I think that... The, oh, he has enough on his plate. He has enough on his plate. However, I mean, Native American cultures have various stories about the skinwalkers. That skin, is true. That skin, is Skinwalkers were supposedly shapeshifters, but you know, literally, you know, skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. You could, you, that's what I'm saying. Like, you could oh necessarily like see a connection there. I mean, I don't I'll, think you were thinking of that when I you heard when I, I mean, I know of his character and all of that, so I was like, you know, that does make sense. But in my case, like, the biggest thing is Alpha and the Whispers weaponize huge swarms of walkers. Right, that's what they do. They basically collect them, very similar to what the vulture did. Right. Except in a way that is not so meticulous the way they did, which is sort of like, okay, we're, we're collecting them in these trailers. It's like, no, they don't do that. They don't have like trailer parks with walkers, but they basically, you know, they, they, they guide them, you know, they, they guide them and they lead them almost as like their army of the undead, you right. know? And I mean, that's essentially what she did. It's what she did. And it's like, how interesting would it be if that's how this villain got her start, where she learned Damn. her ways of doing this is from this experience experience and we got to see the birth of a villain aware that what's the background of the villain because so often we don't get a background on a villain we don't you know maybe we get like a little episode here a little tidbit oh you know he used to be this in a former life and now this you know this is where he is now and it's fine we come to expect that how much more interesting would it be to kind of see like a journey and it's culminated to this point where this character is like this is where they started and this is the evolution of a character to a villain and this is everything that happened to get to this point mm. and so, it gives you a different understanding and a different approach to that character rather than they just being like a a one-dimensional sort of like ha 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 i'm a bad guy it's <laughs> like no there is there is some depth to this character yeah they may be evil and they're doing evil things but how do you reconcile that with what you know of where they came from and i find that to be very interesting and that could be very very different and very impactful so i would love for them to do something like that i don't know if they will obviously like i mean they very well could have just her off and that's the end of that but how impactful would it be for them to cross over and do something like that on on that end you know not just cross over morgan on that end but cross over madison on that end and maybe you know taka or whoever else who would be her her beta and hell she could be the one to take out rick for all we know you know mm-hmm. well, like I mean, she would have to i suppose right i mean in the comic that's not how it happened because obviously rick still lives but mm-hmm. i mean knowing that he's going to make his exit how impactful would it be for alpha to be her and for she to be the one to take out Rick. I mean, that would be... I mean, you want to talk about getting people invested again. Well, there you have it. Yeah, well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, that was, and that's what I was saying. Nothing would be better than to really be able to loop in a character or, an, or, a, or a villain. See, like, I, I know we, I, we had focused initially on the enemy within, and now mm-hmm. we're, we can't be 100% certain that that's going to be the case for this next season. No, we can't, yeah. It could still be, but it could get away from, let's say, Maggie, and it mm-hmm. could turn into something bigger. Mm-hmm. But it kind of has its toes dipped 
in two arenas. It yeah. is sort of the enemy within. It's the enemy we know. And so mm-hmm. we have an attachment to that enemy, let's say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's also the same kind of trope, but it's on a grander scale than even all that war, mm-hmm. let's say. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. And then you have the Negan component to that. Right, Which exactly. could be very interesting. Could be very interesting, yeah. So, yeah, this could be like something huge that we stumble across. This could be very compelling and very huge and something that would really suck you into this story because, you know, now you're, you know, all the backstory of this character, you know, all the backstory of this character. And now you're just kind of like reconcile, reconcile it all with like, how did we get here? Oh my God. Well, well you know, you know what they're going to have to do though? Mm. They're going to have to tie it in somehow on the back half of this second part of fear. Fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somehow, even if it's the, like the last scene, the last episode, mm-hmm. but there's going to have to be some sort of, I mean, I would want there to be some sort of buildup because yeah. uh, unless they're going to do some sort of, like, and I can't imagine that they would even have time or there's reveal. There's going to have to be something else. There, they, there like has to be a bigger, there's got to be a bigger plan for this season because it's not about, this This season clearly wasn't about us versus the vultures or something because that's been eliminated, but that's done. Because, you know, sometimes you watch these seasons and you know what the trope is. It's like, okay, it's all out war, us versus the saviors, you know, and it all culminates into finally defeating the saviors, you know, a season later, two seasons later, whatever. In this case, you know, this is kind of like Terminus, where it's like you thought that was going to be something, but they kind of came in and blew it up in like two episodes. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So, you know, the vultures came and, you know, they, they dealt with them and, and yeah. that's it. So Yeah, we mentioned that. Yeah. So this season has to be about more than just that. I see what you're saying. But right. I don't know what that is. Like, what is the second half of the season look like? Right. And, the, and this could be the that. <laughs> and it could. And no, and that could be it. That could be kind of what this is. I don't know. But it's like clearly not about the vultures. Like it's it's something else. There's a bigger theme or direction of what this season is going towards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. The only thing that I, I can see as being a deterrent, and this is only because of just knowing the staff, um, yeah. unless Gimple is really pulling the strings on this one, because I'm not sure that how much of that he's doing with fear. I mean, that's the thing. It's hard to gauge because, you know, like he has to have some semblance of still control because it's almost kind of like somebody moving to a higher role and them not micromanaging, but like the, the bigger picture is approved by them. Right. You know what I mean? It's like they're not necessarily involved in the nitty gritty of how you get there, but you got to get to this final destination. Right. You got to get, you got to hit these points in order right. for this grand arc to work. Like, right. and, and of course, we've mentioned that Gimple's involved and, and, and Kirkman's involved and mm-hmm. even Greg Nicotero's involved. In both, yeah. They're, they're all involved in both. So, and you know, we haven't really received too much, uh, we haven't received any input on that matter in any way. Because mm-hmm. all, all my interactions have been limited to really, because I have, we've, there's just no chatter from the other people, but we have seen so much chatter from uh, Chambliss and Goldberg and, and Satrazimus mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and all the, the cast from Fear the Walking Dead. They really mm-hmm. have been invested. Yeah. And I've mentioned that several times. Yeah. But none of the bigger picture stuff, which is, it's like Apple, it's like the next Apple kind of secret level carrying, exactly. you know, if they well, know anything at all, which is entirely possible that they don't know anything. They might not. They It might be because it's bigger picture. They they kind of have kept that very hush-hush. Right, purposefully, like, right. Right, to only those who absolutely need to know in order to avoid any sort of leaks. It could be the same thing with Walking Dead, you know, in terms of like what the ultimate direction is, who's alpha. Oh my God. You know, whoever that happens happens to be. Let's play this out though, because I'm just, just, just for my own sake is that let's say they don't know who it is mm-hmm. and obviously alpha you know they have the, the walker masks 
and stuff yes. and all that stuff. What if that person shows up on set like <laughs> limitedly and they show up only in that in that outfit? I know that. And, and every day they're filming and they have these limited scenes. I will say the and one. And they good have to go thing. to their trailer. <laughs> I will say the one good thing with a character like Alpha, and if she is indeed played by Kim Dickens, is that for all intents and purposes, Kim Dickens is a very non-descript kind of statured person. When they've had certain characters, like when that that come as a surprise, it's a little harder to hide them. Whereas like, you know, she's somebody that, you know, she, you can hide her, wear a hoodie, cap, whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, you're not going to like stand out like a sore thumb and be like, is that Abraham? And I mean, you could tell when it's, okay, that's Abraham. Or, yeah, that, and she's not like a diva. She doesn't have an no, entourage. No, probably. exactly. So I think that if in fact it is her, they'll hopefully probably be able to keep it fairly under wraps until they, they need to share or whatever, or they, I mean, they won't share that information. Oh God. They'll keep that to the grave until everything airs. Literally. My, I know. <laughs> I mean, and that's part of it. It's like, you know, we're, we know they're filming. We know that they're they're definitely doing this whisper story arc. We know that there's a time jump. We know all of this. So it's sort of like, okay, then where is she? You can't have all of this happening without this main character. So who is she? Where is she? You got to let us know who she is. You mentioned this in, in several episodes ago that there was a high um, celebrity actress that was there, tied to this. Maria Bello. And I thought yeah. for the longest time that Maria Bella was going to be Alpha because it was an IMDb right. where it said that she was casted for Walking Dead season eight. And at that point, we were at the season finale. Oh, right. Yes, that's right. That's so right. I was like, okay, well, if we haven't seen her and she was cast for season eight, then in my mind, I thought that she that we were going to see a little teaser trailer for season nine, like a sneak peek or something, you know, like one of those like after the credits, a little bonus scene or whatever. Right. And and you'd see that she's alpha or something. And that's like a little tease of what's to come. But that never happened. So I don't know. I mean, maybe she played some other nondescript kind of role, you know, in the course of the season that we didn't really pick up on. I mean, I don't know. But that was a lot of the speculation. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. So I don't know. I will light a candle. I will hope that my... That, that your my, theory is correct. That my theory is correct. My That is my hope. Because if that happens, I will immediately text you the moment that, we, that the mask comes off and we see that it's her I'm gonna be like I called it shit I called it I called it <laughs> I mean we both called it at different points at different points and like yes. seriously we we both put so much thought into her being possibly it it would just be so impactful you know the worst part about it is there's a part of me that's like hoping it isn't you just want new blood no it's not that you it's... want it to be that she went out in that particular way yeah I kind of wanted to well it's more like that I want I was hoping that she would her her memory would be preserved in like a positive light like it, like if we're not going to have her mm-hmm. uh, to have her then descend into this obvious really bad ca- like really evil character because I think the thing is that but you're thinking think- that you could that they will probably do some sort of justifiable nature kind of thing well I think based on everything like seen, I mean they do a little bit with Alpha towards the end like mm. you, you kind of see that obviously this is a, this is a person who has emotions and, and feelings it's just just part of needing to have a certain persona to remain the alpha dog, you know, otherwise it's like you, you can't. And I think that... Uh, Sounds I, familiar. Well, no, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. And I was talking to a good friend of mine who's a big Fear fan and, and Walking Dead fan, and, and she was saying that this whole piece with her being like Mommy Dearest at the stadium kind of like didn't feel natural to her because she felt like we've been seeing Madison kind of evolve into this sort of like, you know, like you said, badass or ruthless you know, leader or whatever in order 
bear. Yeah. And, and basically, you know, they, they kind of felt that this, this stadium was a bit of like, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're not doing that. Okay, we're doing this instead. But the fact of the matter is that they kind of felt that based on the natural progression of how she had been moving based on like, you know, the previous seasons that it would make sense that she would end up at this point of being this sort of ruthless leader, alpha dog character. And, you know, alpha has her daughter in the, in the storyline. So maybe you incorporate that into the second half of the season. Maybe she pops up and maybe... Oh, maybe Daryl gets a little leash action. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I mean, like, it, it's... It's oh, going to be awful. really rough on Alicia, though. Holy crap. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. But I, I think that there's a lot that they can work with. I'm very curious to see what they do. I'm very curious to see how the second half of Fear plays on. Because it comes back, I think, mid-August. And so it has, what, eight episodes? So that would take you mid-August. Basically right up to when Walking Dead comes back. Because Walking Dead comes back in October. And that's enough to film, I think, the first half, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, at mm-hmm. least. Yeah. I don't think they'll be able to fill the whole season by the time October comes around. But No. But definitely mm-hmm. the first half. So they'll have that in the can. Which means that's probably all the scenes with Andrew Lincoln and Lauren Cohan. Yeah, That definitely. we know of among yeah. several cast members that are leaving. So probably. Yeah, because I think that um, they're only in six episodes. So they're not in all eight Maybe. Episodes. Yeah, we don't know how many, but that... That's the rumor mill. There's like at least a few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh, now so this know. one's going to be pretty rough, this mid one, this first half. Yeah. And you know what? The other thing that we have to consider again is that there is a time jump. So... That's the worst part. In what way? Because if there is a time jump and we're right about Madison, it means that there is a significant amount of time of her unaccounted for, which means, oh boy. Because again, with Alpha's daughter, that means she hooks up mm-hmm. with Alicia at some point, And then mm-hmm. they, you know, that, that somehow we have to get Alicia tortured again enough <laughs> to be able to be in dire straits to become her daughter. So yeah. that's, that's a rough thing to put on a character and on the audience. I think too. It is rough. I wouldn't be surprised if they would do it though, because with Luciana, we don't know where she came from. Like she, she kind of like reappeared, and we're like, oh, Luciana. oh, that's true, yeah. And there was never an explanation as to how, where, why. Madison brought her, yeah, right. No idea. It's just sort of like, yeah, she's back. I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, we'll we'll go with that. So who knows, you know, how yeah. how much they'll go into trying to like really illustrate how we got to this point. Like they might just leave it to us to be like, oh, I guess. Uh, I guess. It's like, again? I'm like, okay, I guess they got together. All right. I think I they need to do the hard work to make it work, though. That's And that's that's I what I'm not looking should. forward to. They should. They should do the hard work in order to connect all the dots. Yeah. Especially if this was all part of their grand master plan. Right, right. You know, then I need to see how well thought that, how well thought out this was. I'm going to make the safe bet and say that, sh- that Madison's not going to be alpha. Okay. Not to, and it's no, not no, no. to bust your bubbles because there's... No, just we have so to have, much work. <laughs> no, no, we have to have like these different viewpoints because at the end of the day, I don't know. At this point, like yeah. I, I have no idea what direction this show is going to go because there's just too many, too many questions. Right, too many right. Question marks. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I want you to be right, but in order to be right, there's so things many things have to work. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying. Whoa. Okay, with all the decisions that, that are being made with staffing and all that, and people mm-hmm. leaving and blah blah blah, mm-hmm. there's a worry that. I, I, 
again, this is not my worry, but there's a concern that, oh, it's going to be a poor quality product, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to see how the Titanic sinks. And then, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but now the scope of what would be involved to try to get to that that place is, is if it's not done right, it's a lot to ask the audience yeah. to kind of swallow. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. okay, why don't you play it safe and uh, bring somebody new? <laughs> Something like yeah. that, you know, but which again, it's not, a, it's, 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 hey, if you were smart, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it. And you would, you can, you know, it's easier to work with a carte blanche. You'd like to work with somebody new and, and figure that out. But I don't know. And again, the, the possibility of the enemy from within is still on the table somehow, yeah. I think. Somehow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's still a possibility. And how that morphs is who knows. I mean, hell, you know, like in my mind, there's a possibility that, I mean, I don't know. Like, what if, what if uh, Michonne flips somehow? I don't know. No. That would be rough. Don't forget that. Don't forget. Heath is still out there. Yeah. <laughs> still out there. Just want to remind you. And by the way, I didn't know how many people were still on that bandwagon because I, I. Oh, hell yes. It's just crazy. Oh, no. There are many people just like me that are very yeah. much like, okay, where's Heath? Like, we but, should have t shirts that say, where's Heath? Like, once a month, they check in and they go, reminder, Heath is still out there. Remi- there exactly. There's a helicopter. There's a helicopter still out there. Heath is still out there. Taka's still out there. Right. We're right. Still out there. Like, there's still all these different people that it's like, they're, they're in play, basically, like, as far as I'm concerned. Morales is still, oh, no, he's gone. No. <laughs> And that was a running joke for the longest time, remember? Yes. And then what happened? And then he finally showed up and people were like, what the fuck, Mariah? I feel like they brought him out just to kind of take him off the list. Like, okay, no, he's not out, they he's did not that, out there anymore. They did that just to mess with everyone. His family's dead. They, they, did that just, they did that just to mess with everyone because you thought that it was like, you gave him, like, he was around for, what, 10 minutes before Daryl shot him? Yeah, exactly. That's cool. And then it was like, oh, well. Hmm. That's cool. That's cool, Daryl. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they're in play as far as I'm concerned. Again, if I don't see a body, it's still, they're, they're in it's, play. It's still warm. Who And who else? Oh, Dwight's wife, Sherry. Sher- uh, Sherry, too. right. Yeah. So I'm like between Sherry, Heath, the helicopter, Taka, Daniel, but these people are all out there. So as right. far as I'm concerned, and people try to make the argument of like, well, you know, how would they get from Texas, Alexandria, whatever. Look, if Morgan was able to force Gump his way from Alexandria <laughs> to Texas, then the other way around works. Wow, it can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can and you, you have the network of the Commonwealth and and, and all yes. this stuff that that's possible. And it's all possible. I mean, you can weave all of these stories together. I mean, yeah. this is going to be one grandiose, crazy arc, right? I mean, be, first of all, between those two storylines alone, the Commonwealth and the Whisperers, you can definitely do something with two storylines at once with these two fucks. Yeah, no, for sure. And even and play they, them against they, each other. No, and they are in the comic. They are both going on at the same time. You know, mm. like they're they. It's not like, okay, we were going to focus on this and then we're going to move into this. It's like the horrible's kind of happening at the same time, you know? Yeah. And you know what else is that I I honestly can see a scenario where this is just going to be another one of those Robert Kirkman trying to trying do to better up. on TV than what he can possibly do on in the comic book situations. Mm. Yeah. This would be like the, 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 the definitive moment where The Walking Dead, not, I was going to say, no, not jump the stumps of the shark, but mm-hmm. where they can actually give the comic top, readers top more there. yeah more yeah because the thing is like you know it's like I've always said it's like comic books are one form of medium and there is a limit to how much depth you can really get in a comic you get a semblance of certain things in the time but you can't really give this sort of like grandiose bigger picture sort of like scenario of like these different pieces in play and this person is coming from this situation and this from this situation it's like you can't it's, it's difficult to do that in a comic form it's hard. Yeah. This medium of television lends 
understands itself better to tell that story in a way that's more thorough and, and compelling. But there are also more concise ways that you can do with subtle acting nods yeah. that don't take up so much panel space. No, it exactly. Just, it, makes, it makes you breeze through a specific scene. So instead of spending a whole two comic pages on this one thing, it could be done with two words of dialogue and just a look mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like a scene change or something like that. Yeah. And motion. Like True. these scenes in motion could say a lot more than what you can do in several panels of a comic book because then mm-hmm. it relays the emotion in an express kind of way, in a compressed kind of way yeah. that we get it as humans. We, we take those cues and run. Mm-hmm. It's like, like the Xander Berkeley effect. That's <laughs> 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 how we first notice it. And the Negan effect too. It, you mm-hmm. know, like it, And I think that's why you were so upset with, with some of the dialogue that he got that was kind of the same as the comic because he can do it in ways that didn't need to be done exactly that way. Right. right? There are the, so. Exactly. And some of the best dialogue he had were ones that were that they came up with that weren't comic related. Oh, so yeah. like that whole that whole scene with the walkie and Michonne, that was a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, that, yeah. that was one of those moments where he took his time. He said what he needed to say. You could feel the, the anguish behind his voice, but also the anger, the resentment mm-hmm. at, at knowing that Carl died, but also his wishes and like, wish you told me sooner. We could have done this, not to be this way. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just this one thing. And I love how and I could not let it not be in one of our in, in our at the end of our podcast because it was just so perfect. Yeah. With that said, we have a sneak peek. And it's kind of boring. I don't know what they were trying to do with the sneak peek. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they were trying to say, hey, show's over. Because it was Morgan reaching a mansion with solar panels, which and, and basically, you know, Strand is at the top taking sniper shots at this walker that managed to get through the gate. It looks yeah. like it did because uh-huh. he's, he's looking pretty gnarly because he got through. Like a bear mauled him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mauled him. No, the walker. And Strand's drunk saying, hey, I, I guess I missed one. And Morgan's kind of looking like, what? Right. I took the thing out. And, but what's going on, buddy? So, but in other kind of quick scenes, we see this season involves like some sort of tropical storm of some kind or a tornado. Do you know what I thought? The Wizard of Oz? No. <laughs> kidding. All I thought was Sharknado. Oh, no, that's you didn't. I, that's all I thought of. The like, walkers in the winds? Yes. Yes, exactly. That's exactly oh all. That's all I could think of. Oh, my God. That's so Florida. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could think of. I was like, this is like a Sharknado moment right here. Oh my God. Well, it's going to be something like that, I think. It does, yeah, that's what it seems like. Some elements. Mm-hmm. I think, that, and that's what they said. I, I remember what Greg Nicotero was always saying. There's always this awesome opportunity to do something with walkers that has never been done before. He has said that. that right. And, and now the fear guys get to do that. I mean, they did it with the oily walkers. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yes, they did. So now, and the, now the crispy walkers. And now, it, it, how much fun? fun is that? They get to yeah. do with walkers on wires now. <laughs> yeah. All sorts of fun things. I mean, it's pretty exciting. Again, no winter. So, <laughs> there's not going to be winter in Texas. No, there's not going to be winter kidding in Texas. You kidding me? Yeah, none of that. Do you think, okay, here's here's my last question before we mm-hmm. sign off. Do you think we will finally get walkers in winter? Walkers on ice? <laughs> walkers on ice. I was going winter. That would be great. If Walking Dead finally goes out, they've got to get the cash grab where they can get it. Yeah. It's just <laughs> walkers on ice. I mean, look, I mean, being very Game of Thrones behind the wall, you know, there you mm-hmm, go. Mm-hmm. I mean, they 
could. I mean, listen, they are close enough to Washington, D.C. If they're in Virginia, they are close enough to D.C. I've been to Virginia. Virginia gets fucking cold, okay? I've been to Virginia in January, and that shit's not cool. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's cold. <laughs> it's freezing. Like, yeah. literally, it was one of the coldest winters that I can recall. Like, I had to wear, like, thermals under my jeans, and it was still, like, awful. Oh, yeah, the Potomac is freaking freezing. Freezing. I've been, I go there every year for this event called MAGFest. Hmm. And Mag MAGFest stands for Music and Gaming Festival. Oh, okay. It's it's just for these video game geeks. And it happens during February oh, where it's I still... I should tell my husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, tell him to meet me down there, man. It's, <laughs> great. it's a great time, man. You should come too. What the hell? I and know. so And so, yeah, it's it's literally a weekend at the at National Harbor, which is kind of, you know, it's in D.C. Yeah, uh-huh. It's right on the water. And so, oh. you know, occasionally you got to step out to eat. And of course, when you step out to eat, you're like, oh my God, it's freaking freezing. And you don't want to bring a jacket to these things. So what time of year does it usually happen? Oh, oh, it's it used to be like the top of January, and now they've been doing it lately in February. But it's still cold. It's still really, really cold. I was gonna say those are two of the bitterest months ever. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, you want to go to the Northeast? Try to go between September and December because once January and February hits, (laughs) yeah, yeah, those are the toughest months. Yeah, I went. I had a I had a work trip to the DC area. I had a project in Virginia and in DC proper, and we drove down from New York and you know made a little trip out of it but it was freezing I mean it was and to me if they're in Alexandria there is no reason I mean we just haven't seen winter because they choose to just not do it but there, there is no reason why we can't see walkers on ice mm. or you know white walkers like they, they need they need to do that they need to do that like wow if they know the ship is sinking they need to start throwing some of that in there right right and you know what you know so they're not filming the ba- they're probably not filming the back half of that season no not now. yet they're probably going to do that in winter and I hope they don't do it in Georgia <laughs> because I want my goddamn winter I want my winter and also if, if they're going to end the show or something this season Make maybe it, yeah or at least out. start season 10 go out with winter please go out with winter you know people want to see that go give me what that. I want go film that last season up in Canada go to the tundra oh my god <laughs> <laughs> go to the Delta out there. Jeez, yeah, please. go over there and film that. They'll at, love you up there. At, at least pick Alberta. It's like cowboy country. Come on. Yeah, it's affordable up there too, I hear, to film. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The Alberta, yeah. They do a lot of um, a film lot grants of filming. and stuff. They film a lot up there, yeah. Because there's a lot of desolate kind of areas too. Absolutely. Hmm. I would be all about it. Come on, if you're going to go out, go out with like, white walkers in winter. Oh, I'll be I'll be paying close attention to, Everyone to would. where they're filming. People would be like, finally, want to see some frozen walkers just wait until they freeze and then shatter them (laughs) holy crap (laughs) do you think oh my god (laughs) you've gone crazy carol you've gone crazy thought of techniques Although that, that does, I'm not I'm not thinking they're going to shatter or with dragon glass. Oh, oh my God, they've jumped the shark. No, but I'm thinking, yeah, if if, if they're not gooey anymore, right? So, no, they're not. They're all frozen. And you know, we have seen them walk slowly in water in this season of Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, because they're not agile. Like they're not like. And the same thing again. And this also goes back to the stadium. Same thing in the stadium. She could have very easily climbed the tiers of those stands because walkers don't go upstairs. They right. don't climb stairs. Right. They kind of just crawl up them. They're just gonna crawl. They're not thinking about what they're doing if they get pushed onto a stair then fine they'll keep moving but that's all they're doing is they just keep moving right the only knows forward forward in whatever exactly. capacity yeah exactly Oof. 
you know what? They must be really investing in how they're exactly going to be doing the winter thing because they, they really want to get the fluid dynamics just right, the density, the bone density and all that stuff in winter and the cold. It's a process. This is me hope, wishful thinking right now. That's that's all it is. There's a lot of wishful thinking right yeah, now. on my part. <laughs> a lot of it will be determined by what we see in that trailer. I yeah. forget when San Diego Comic-Con is happening. It's happening in the next couple of weeks though because it's always <laughs> early July and people have gotten their passes already. Yeah, not us because just like your vacation, which <laughs> is dragging your feet. <laughs> We're <alone>. stupid. <laughs> what are we yeah, doing listen, with our lives? Listen, Comic-Con is an investment, okay? It's an investment. <sighs> it is, it is. Hey, that's the first thing I'm going to have to try to do. That's all. Oh, it's later in the... Yeah, I know. We need to do that one day. It's later on, actually, than I thought. It's July 19th. Oh, well then. A mm, little later. Damn that's it. That's a possibility, man. I don't know. We'll see. God damn it. I, it, it's worth it, man. You know what? I'm going to see what strings I could pull, see what falls off, hmm. what limbs fall off I know. in winter. It's truthfully not crazy expensive. Like you basically, your expenses are more like your, you know, the, the actual getting there is, is what it is. Mm. But the actual passes are, are not as crazy as one would think. It's the hotel that gets you. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that that's what it is. It's, 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 the, it's the travel expenses. Honestly, I'd be in and out. I just want to get that trailer. I don't want to stay the night. That's, that's what it. I'm saying. It's like, I just want the trailer. I want that trailer. And hopefully, maybe I can get in for free. I don't know. I'll, I'll play. I'll, I'll hedge my bets. Oh, all right. There you yeah. go. I get some press action. See that? That's impressive. Yeah. I got to put I gotta put my money down. I got to put my, my cards on the table. I was going to say my balls, but whatever anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> it's late. I'm not editing that out. It's like, no, we're just going to leave that all in there. Yep. No, but that trailer, <laughs> that trailer is going to... Yeah, you're really gone. pumping this up, and I'm really, really getting excited. Because that trailer... Like, and you know that they have to knowing how amped everybody is and knowing what's happening. Yeah, the tensions. Mm. Yeah, they, they need to deliver thoughtfully on what they show as a trailer. Yeah, this is going to change hearts and minds. That's what's really, it's like football. Mm. <laughs> it's like it's like the pep talk. Guys, yeah, it's gather around, you know. Gather around. This is what we're doing. <sighs> okay, here's the game plan. <laughs> here's the Hail Mary, and then you do the pass. And, then, and listen, it's about the game. It's about making your parents proud. <sighs> I know we've had a hard season or two. I mean, I also hear that they are going to broach the topic of Shane at Comic-Con. Yes, that's right. We did reveal that he's going to be in, in one of these episodes. Yes. Yeah. At least one. Yeah. Said. And I always thought that was very interesting to kind of see because so, occasionally throughout the seasons they've brought up the idea of, okay, what if Shane was still around? What if Shane was still How around? Would you, man, Shane was the fucking bomb. He was the original badass. Well, now we think that he's, he's the bomb. I thought he was like, how I mean, panicky were you? I mean, you he know? was psycho. Yeah. At the time, we were like, he needed to go. But now, how do you, how do you bring Shane. Shane is going to be a hallucination or a flashback. There's no other way. I can't see any other way. I mean, there have been some people that tried to go crazy and they're like, well, maybe they could do a lost alternate timeline. Oh, I'm like, stop with that. Stop. Okay, stop. We're not doing that. Go home. Think about what you just said. Exactly. We're not doing that. No. This It's, it's a flashback or hallucination. No, I, I think it's going to be a flashback and I think it's going to be relevant to what's going on at the time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a telling one. But they have her, I have heard rumors that they might bring other potential past characters for a as, part of this, as part of this sort of uh, send-off. Oh, to, shit. Uh, I've always said that the send-off that they gave Tyrese was one of the best send-offs that I'd seen or most beautiful send-offs that this show 
has done. Mm. They brought back Beth and, and the little girls and, and the governor and like, you know, he saw all these people, you know, before he passed away. And I think it was very, that was an episode that was really well done. And so, I mean, they have to step it up when it comes to Andrew Lincoln, like however it is that they plan on doing it, it has to be done in a way that really pays homage to the character and everyone that he has touched or that meant a lot to him, which obviously like if you're going to, if you're going to go that route, then you're going to have to bring back Shane. You're definitely going to have to bring back Carl. You're, mm. I would argue Lori, Glenn, Herschel. Those are the people off the top of my head that Glenn I would Glenn Herschel. Yeah, sure. Like maybe Dale. Maybe. A lot of people miss the, the actor actually. So. I know a lot of people do miss him, but I just think of even Herschel just because he had flashbacks with Herschel after Herschel died. Oh yeah. Time, like actual timeline flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Like he was having like Herschel flashback. We know he had like Lori hallucinations, right? you know? So it's like, it's all within the realm of possibility that these are individuals that would be on his mind, you know, mm. if he's hallucinating or flashing back or whatever, you know, the case may be. Yeah. But I'm pumped that Shane is going to be back. I'm like, wow, Shane. Already. Yeah. This, it really brings the idea of, okay, how do we look at Shane now after everything that's happened? And in a way, Shane was there before Rick had, had ever thought about going there. Listen. And now we can see him in a different light. It's kind of like the thing I, I brought up about Strand, right? Now we're ready for Strand, you know, and now Strand is different. So, but still. Rick, at the time that Shane was still around, Rick just hadn't been tested yet. From Mel. Yeah. Good. That and was is, good. And it is true. He had not been Neither tested. Neither Shane, yet. though, but still, right? Shane was ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah. Shane yeah. was already there. He yeah. already was kind of like the way. He watched Rick Alex Jones. Now, he was there. No, yeah, the way Rick was this season, basically like, you know, we're not fucking around. We're going to kill these saviors and I don't really care. You know, it's like that is a Shane sort of approach. Shane yeah. was already there back in season two. Well, Rick was kind of Shane. Yeah. I mean, it was, the in, time. The, it, it was in him. The potential for him to be that way was in him. He just hadn't been tested yet. And once he got to that point, I mean, he was able to be just as vicious. Right. You know? Right. And you know, what's interesting is that bringing him back, oh, it's kind of, is really interesting because the only way to me he might pop up and be like look i told you you couldn't take care of your wife and kid yeah oh boy oh boy wow that would be be fucked up i don't know how many times we can swear before (laughs) we have to say offensive content but that's messed up but But, i mean that's what he said that was his argument he wanted to take his wife and kid right well he took his kid so yeah yeah (laughs) the other one That would be interesting, but you have to realize that one thing is that the only way they were able to move forward, according to, you know, Rick and Carl, was to put down the Shane. Yes. So that w- is what makes the Shane element, whatever they decide to do with it, it and I'm going to bank that it's a flashback, like an, mm-hmm. like an un, like the same thing as Herschel, like an unseen scene between those two. Mm-hmm. And it can't be like the FU kind of situation. No, I but don't it, think- But it has to be something that is kind of like, in a way, like, yeah, I needed to be you and then be able to pull back mm-hmm. you know and then Shane would, would still be Shane you know <laughs> echoes of the past trying to pull him back into the darkness kind of like Madison also again I know I'm mm-hmm. bringing that back but when you when you brought up the whole mama bear thing and, and, and you have to recognize one thing is that her mama bear instincts had reared the, its head in the episode prior to that mm-hmm. and so yeah it does prepare you for the possibility of an alpha but yeah again the she only way somebody to, with a hammer yeah, yeah I mean like a little that? reminder there yep. that's kind of messed up Madison's hammer yep 
it's kind of messed up. Her magical hammer. But again, the show does bring the point that the only way to move forward in this world is to be able to put that down and and, and find a reason for more. Or so we've we've seen is the case. But maybe there's a level past that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To deal with an enemy that can't be reasoned with. Where's that from? Uh, uh, allegories from no. time immemorial, from biblical <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> here's, here's a side question. What do you think is going to happen with uh, Hardwick and Talking Dead? Okay, so we'll broach this one. I, I know for a fact one thing in that, y- you know the company that he founded? Yeah. They've already ousted him from that. Mm. So there's that. I've heard that AMC has kind of severed ties with him as the show run, as the show, the host. So beyond that, I don't know what's going to happen. Now, it would make a lot of sense for them to replace him quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't make the new host say what happened to the old host I would just pretend that something didn't happen (laughs) but on the side obviously publicly outside the show say something Mm -hmm. publicly say hey we see the value in this this show we wouldn't want it to be a situation where we lost the ability for people to have this moment after the show to be able to process things etc etc who would replace him uh, if you were to replace him it's so funny because Kevin Smith no well that would be a good save did you just think of that now yes oh my god because I in the can, I actually had this. It's a, that's a bad idea, actually, and I'll tell you why. But uh, <laughs> it's not it's not a you thing. It's really no, Kevin no, no. Smith thing. Yeah. But my first instinct was that Jonah Jonah, what's his name? Um, oh, from Jonah. the previous episode, because he had thought of that idea first. If you remember, <gasps> he mentioned oh. it on the show. He was like, "Dude, I told you about this idea together when we were watching the show, <laughs> and you, you basically <laughs> stole my idea. I love this show. I introduced you to the show, and then you took this idea from me. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I, it would be kind of like justice to have him continue the show." Hmm. But Kevin Smith is a really interesting idea because he's really talkative. He'd ask the good questions. He'd be funny. Yeah. And it would be a good idea for him too because he's been really trying to reformat his life and it might really bring Mm -hmm. out some good questions. But here's why it's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Kevin Smith is a talkative motherfucker. (laughs) so much so that I saw him at Carnegie Hall when he uh-huh. did his, his, his not like a spoken word but like a night with Kevin Smith okay. it was way back like I think mm-hmm. like, gotta be 10 years ago oh, uh, close to it was awesome but like the fact that that one man can stand up there and tell stories for two hours straight and mm-hmm. ask questions you know mm-hmm. answer questions mm-hmm. it's amazing wow and it's just him talking it's not it's barely scripted I'm sure he has an idea of where he wants to go but mm-hmm. then he just keeps going that is so funny and it's He's, it's like a known thing like on his podcast he just keeps going on and it's not bad I'm just saying it would be bad on a formatted television show where you have to kind of mm. stick strictly you yeah, see yeah. Chris he's already talking fast enough it is to try to get the commercials yeah it's obviously they're, they're obviously on a very tiny time crunch and they have to stick to the scripts like okay we gotta move on to the next thing keep it moving keep it moving yeah so yeah it has to be somebody who understands that this is basically a talk show and you have to kind of like hit those points because we gotta cover this 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 you know yeah another thing that's occurring to me as we talk about this is that I think they would have to change the set too. Oh, really? I know it sounds very weird to say that, but it has to suit the host. It has to make sense with the host that's actually going to take charge. <sighs> yeah, no, that's true. So, there's, there's some sort of tweaking that would have to be done at least. Yeah. And it would have to be by somebody who's watched the show that has thought about hosting the show. Yeah. And it probably has ideas on how to change it talking. It would have to be somebody who's, dead. yeah, it would have to be somebody who's already invested in the world of comic books, the show 
show itself. That oh, it has shit. to be. I what? just thought of who it might be. Who? And it's a really bad idea, but I think oh, it would be so not off putting, but so out of left field. Oh god, who? That it would totally work to distract people from the fact that Chris Hardwick isn't doing the show anymore. <laughs> Michael Rooker. <laughs> what a holy shit moment that would be. That would be amazing. And I would watch he's religious. Crazy. He's crazy. He's batshit crazy. Yeah. But he'll come back in a for like in the drop of a hat, he'll come back. Like he's so he's still super involved. He goes to all the conventions. Oh he yeah. Comes back every time that they do things, you know, on the show. He would be oh, I'd watch. And you know Just what else? I'm like, I'm not sure what the hell's gonna come out of his mouth. Oh exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. It it would be like the shit show of the best variety. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. The one thing that I think people don't understand about Michael Rooker is he's not a one trick pony. This guy is a, no, a he, B actor he, veteran. Like he's been in so say, much. He was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's been oh, in all yeah. different things. Oh yeah, and like through throughout time he's played really I mean he was in Henry, that was his claim to fame, like in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Portrait of a serial killer, right? And like th- from then on he's been like uh, like not underground, but like in, in like the B actor in good films and like the star in like bad films. <laughs> Like, <laughs> it, so he's had his moment. He's had, like, he's very prolific. In fact, yes. I'm, I'm wondering if there's like, and I've mentioned them before, um, no small parts. I, I actually reposted one of the things about more about uh, Lenny James and how he mentions him on The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. And no small parts, the, the, uh, Michael Hardesty, or I think his name is Michael Hardesty. I'll, I'll have to look that up. He His whole claim to fame on YouTube was focusing on these B actors that you wouldn't give a, a second look that have really almost no name in some respects. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if he he has one on Michael Rooker or he would do one on Michael Rooker even if it's a, one of the smaller ones like Lenny James because mm-hmm. I would be really interested to see his filmography and, and how he came to be honestly so he's such a good choice yeah <laughs> like such a bad choice but such a good choice that would be amazing oh amazing. do you have one more in the chamber God, for, for possible custom God, we got Kevin Smith Michael Rooker <laughs> you know what the thing is you know it's it's really funny oh wait because- I get it hold on <laughs> Andrew Lincoln. Oh my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. Yeah, he's he's, he's going to do it from England. Duh. Uh, I mean, he needs to be close to his family, right? It, the funny thing is that it's it's kind of interesting how it is it is and it isn't an easy role to fill. In, oh, in the God, sense, no. in the, oh, you mean talking dead? Yeah, in, okay. in the sense of in Chris Hardwick's position, because I think the thing that he brought to the table as a host of a show and you're bringing people on and you're interviewing them, it's about your guests. So you have to almost sort of, I don't want to say blend into the background, but you have to not monopolize, kind of like what you were saying before with Kevin Smith. You have to be able to not monopolize and allow these people to basically shine and showcase their work and showcase whatever the topics are that are being discussed. And it's not so much about you. You're just the vehicle and the conduit for what's being expressed. Right. And Chris Hardwick is not a man of huge stature, which is works in this sense, you know, and he's all also very everyman-ish, I guess. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he's well- he, he's a very it's almost like putting a fan up there and interviewing these guests and that's kind of the air that he brought to that role where it was almost as if you were to take any one of us not exactly but kind of you know like you know because we're not Michael Rooker right right and Michael Rooker, Rooker would be a little too larger than life in some it's, fashion in some fashion like I mean yeah I would t- but I would be tuning in for him not for right the exactly like, you'd be I tuning in for the in shit show to, <laughs> right I'd be tuning in to like what the hell is Michael Rooker going to say this week you 
you know, but like <laughs> that's what that's what I would be tuning in for, and it would take away from th- this panel of guests, right? You know? And we and, watch because he's he's an appreciator of the show. He's he, right. he's on our side watching the show, he's, wanting he, to know he, more. And that's what I'm saying. Like he kind of acts as like a representative for like fans, right? You know? And that's what works about that setup, right? So as much as I may think like, oh, you know, Michael Rooker or whatever, it's like you kind of need somebody who is basically like a, a a super fan who's a comic book reader and who wants to kind of keep the conversation going yeah and foster those kind of like discussions it's not easy which is the tricky part yeah you know yeah and that's the hard part of maybe bringing in somebody from let's say the show like mm-hmm. T-Dog you've got you've mm-hmm. got so many people that have moved on mm-hmm. uh, from this show's mortal coil yeah. that you could bring back to host the show anybody and you could maybe yeah. make a case for possibly seeing a guest host every week you know, I was previously say, departed. I but was then again, say, yeah, yeah it, it loses the consistency, the thread. You'd have to get used to the show's format and be right. able to do it in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. To, and the thing that Hardwick got over time, because it was, I don't think it was exactly, I think part of what put people off about Hardwick in the first place was that I don't think he got his rhythm until well into his first season, maybe not even until his second season. Mm-hmm. Because I, I remember watching it and I remember it was like, oh, I don't need to watch this. Mm-hmm. But then I, I remember giving it a second chance. I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually really good. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't like it at first. I think a lot of people didn't like it at first. I'm sure. And they yeah. still stuck with that opinion, you know, and then they didn't really give it another chance. But mm-hmm. I think after certain things happened on the show, maybe season five or six, I think they kind of needed it. Yeah. And then they found out, lo and behold, he's actually pretty good at it now. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's what we're going to miss is that consistency. So it's going to have to be somebody who is a watcher, probably not have been on the show as much of a nerdist, which mm-hmm. by the way, now I just remembered his company, Nerdist. Ah, yeah. It would have to be somebody like that. Somebody invested in the show, but also not part of the show, but ha- mm-hmm. but will eventually have like, you know, a little toe dip so that they can get some of the inside information from AMC and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough call. Yeah, I don't really know what to think. But I mean, hey, it, maybe we'll think of a, a top, I don't know, top three list of who it could be from the show that has left and whittle it down and give the reasons. That could be something we can do. Yeah, just, I think so. Justify your existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so with that being said, I think we're gonna call it a very fulfilling night. I actually cannot wait for the next, the back half of Fear the Walking Dead. That we left off on such an interesting note. Yes. And with we have this entire group together now with all their dynamics and walkers in the wind and Sharknado. Walker-nado. I, yeah, and I wonder where this will go from here. Yeah. And how wow. we'll get to the Walking Dead. We are marching towards something. Yeah. Hopefully it's something huge. <sighs> I hope so. Fingers me crossed. T- me too. So with that, everybody, let's march on and we'll see you. Uh, actually, as we'll see you when we see you if, yeah. we, if, if there's any news we'll just do a short episode or two and I'm sure we will we, we should definitely have one after the um, the trailer comes out oh god for sure because you know we're going to be like analyzing that thing oh my god <laughs> death to death to death we may even I don't know we may even format it in a way where we watch it with you we do a pause thing like a live watch thing because mm-hmm. our whole thing is that we, I think we want to start moving on to more live shows interactive yeah yeah exactly and, and this is something we could definitely have viewer feedback on and we can talk Absolutely. about and we can bore you to death with afterwards on our ideas because you don't have a show we do yeah that's how we do <laughs> yeah so the perk mm-hmm. so uh, with that everybody uh, we will see you soon see you next time